Hello, and welcome to episode 125 of the Casual Tryhard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And if you're on YouTube, you can see us. Hi. Hello. <laughs> we are recording this, hopefully. <laughs> um, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully everything goes right. It was kind for, of the last minute. Yeah. For a video episode, we don't have the normal fancy uh, slides, but bear with us. You're going to see the cards if you come uh, yeah. to, to YouTube. If not... We'll talk you through. It'll be good. So and you get is, to see us. Yeah. So this is all Modern Horizons stuff mm-hmm. that yep. just got, they just finished the spoiler on, pick a day, uh, Thursday. Thursday, I think, yeah. Yeah. So this is kind of all the stuff that looks interesting, or a lot of it at least. A good chunk of it. And I'm sure we've missed a Hogak. But... I don't know. I don't know if we did. I think I got everything that looked reasonably broken. Yeah, hopefully. So, if you would have tweeted us what you think we missed or what what the Hogak is that we missed, you can get at us at Casual Tripod on Twitter. You can also hit us up on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG, or you can email us show at Casual Tryhard MTG dot com. Uh, normally, this is where I would tell you to go ahead and you know pre order your whatever you're going to pre order from TCG Player, but. For whatever reason, the cards in this set are absolutely absurdly priced. So I would not recommend pre-ordering anything for Modern Horizons. I have not even looked at pre-ordering Modern Horizons. I looked at a couple prices and went, nope, that's not reasonable. Uh, I think there's 10 rares that are going for more than $50. Rares. And like you have to remember, this came up on a professor video today or Monday which was like you've got like three different versions or four different versions of the fetch lands. Yeah. So like people are going to be cracking packs for fetch lands like mm-hmm. crazy. Yep. So there's going to be a lot of this opened probably. Mm-hmm. So like these prices can't hold. So resist there's the no urge. way resist yeah. the urge to buy a $50 rare. Yeah. Or a hundred dollar ragavan. What? Yeah. Hundred dollar Ragavan. Like I know people are hyped for it in Legacy, but he's nimbly pilfering your wallet. Yes, all the whole wallet. Yes. Yeah. Who? That's craziness. He's taking the whole thing and leaving you a treasure. <laughs> it's monkey poop. <laughs> that's no, what the treasure is. Yeah, I, I guess he takes your. But if he's attacking me, my Wizards of the Coast gets to the treasure and my wallet, and I just get monkey poop. <laughs> That's this right. This is not good. He just runs up, throws the poop in my face, distracts me, takes my wallet. It's not good. Yeah. So what else do we got? So since you're not going to pre-order these cards on TCG Player, you can help us out on Patreon. Patreon.com slash casual tryhard MTG. Patrons get early access to our show notes. I try and post them uh, the day before the show goes live. They also got to listen to us ramble in our pre-show, and they got extra us rambling last week. Uh, I think our pre-show was twice as long as the actual episode. No, the pre-show was 15 or 20 minutes longer. Oh, okay. Because we talked a lot during the show, too, don't we? Just talk yeah, that's lot. true. Yeah, we just talk a lot. <laughs> so patrons get access to that. Patrons also get uh, give little givebacks that I'm working on. Just a little thank you for, for helping to support the show. Um, we've also got something else in the works that we haven't quite had time to get to yet, but we are planning on doing something else. 
hopefully I'm going to involve the patrons in that also. One day. One day. One day. Time. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully one day. When Gavin's 15 or something, I'll turn some time. <laughs> sure. So we only got like 14 more years. 14 more years. <laughs> we have our YouTube channel. Uh, that's another thing. Casual Tryhard MTG on YouTube. Probably this week, I will have a uh, Modern Horizons 2 pre-release kit open, like box opening and sealed pool build. And I will also have a set booster box opening. The following week, I will have a collector booster box opening. So that should all be coming up for our our YouTube channel. And then we have our Discord. Uh, Discord is where you get to ask us questions, look for advice for a deck, uh, give us show ideas, talk to each other. It's a pretty good time in there. Or so head over week, to our... Oh, uh, God. Say, or last week, make fun of us for how long the pre-show was. Yes. Or last week, you can make fun of us for how long the pre-show was. <laughs> if you want to hop into our Discord, there's a link in the description. There's a link on all our social media. Or if you're having a hard time getting in, just let us know and we'll send you a link to personally invite you to our Discord. Yep. All right. So the structure of the show is... First, we're going to talk about mainly uncommons, but some commons Mm -hmm. uh, that if you're doing a pre-release this weekend that, you know, if you're like, you know, pick nine or ten, Mm -hmm. maybe maybe you're not red, but there's like a red uncommon, like the red commons and uncommons that you should maybe be like, huh, I guess I'll take this because it might see play in modern. Yep. Or, you know, whatever color, like the just kind of the throwaway pick where you're like, eh. This will probably see play, and I want this for like constructed yeah. as opposed. Yeah, maybe to it doesn't like, fit your deck, but yeah, worthwhile having. Yeah. So, uh, James made a rather uh, extensive list that. Yep. Again, if you're watching the video, you can hopefully see. <laughs> and we're gonna work through that, and then we're gonna work through the common. No, sorry, the the rares. Yep. And then some like cycles slash archetypes that they have built. Yeah, it, so it's kind of structured oddly, but hopefully you can you can follow along with my thought process here. Typically, when we start these set review episodes, we start by going over the mechanics for the set. There's like 50-something mechanics for this set. So yeah. did you want to go over them? Um, checks notes, no. No, I don't. <laughs> I am okay. good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so-, so this set is definitely not for like new players. It's very complex. It kind of relies on you knowing, having played for a while and having played with some of these older mechanics before, that's why they can shove so many of them into a set. Like there's mechanics in here that are literally on like one or two cards. Yeah, and they're like mechanics that are on like, that are like in one set on like four cards in that set. Right. Right, like. How many times have we seen Converge? Like uh, one only set, Only right? in BFZ, I think. Yeah, that's, that's it. And like people were like, this mechanic is eh. Yeah, it's not but, great. Yeah, but we but we have a, a couple cards with Converge, I think. We do, yeah. And we're, we're going to talk about at least one of them. Yeah, so we are going to start. We're going to go in Wooburg order, and we're going to start with the Uncommons. Mm-hmm. And so the first one is Blossoming Calm. So wait yeah. for an instant. Uh, you gain hexproof until the end of turn, or until your next turn. Mm-hmm. You gain two life, and it has rebound. Yeah. 
this card probably doesn't sound or look super interesting like at first blush, but it kind of does a lot for the small investment of one mana, right? You gaining hexproof is like oddly relevant. Like there's, you know, three or four decks I can think of off the top of my head that want some sort of like lay, lay line of sanctity access to it in their sideboard. Yeah. Um, and this kind of does the same thing at least for like a critical turn and also randomly gains you a couple life. So like, let's say you're playing against a storm deck mm-hmm. and they do their thing. They storm off. Yep. And then they put all the target, all the copies of grape shot at you. Mm-hmm. And then you're like blossoming calm. I'm now no longer a legal target. And so right. you just fizzled their big combo turn. And you stop them from trying to go off the next turn also. Yeah, because yep. like it, it goes till your next turn. So you basically you buy yourself two turns, right? If you're playing against like a storm deck or against like burn, yep. Right, like this is this is kind of like a three for one against burn or like yeah. a two and a half for one. I was gonna say this is almost like um, Veil of Summer, yeah. Right, without draw a card on it, right? Where one of the modes of Veil of Summer was like your opponent thought ceases you, mm-hmm. and you're like Veil it. Right. Like this is like similar where you're like, okay, fine, I will protect my combo piece to just not give you the information. Mm-hmm. I will counter your thought seize. Yep. And now you can't thought seize me again next turn. Right. Because I have uh blossoming com. Mm-hmm. So it's and, a card that does a lot for a little. Yeah, and like you said against burn, like typically burn's trying to kill you on like turn three and a half or four or three or four, somewhere in that area. If you like blossom and calm and play a threat on turn three, like in response to like a lightning bolt or something that would kill you, you negated their lightning bolt. You gain two life, which is half of one of their burn cards. You stop them from targeting you the next turn and you gain two life, two more life, which is another like half of a burn card. Now there, there is like a hole Right between mm-hmm. right when when the rebound trigger goes on the stack mm-hmm. is the point where you are like vulnerable, right? But you know, again, like hopefully they were like bolt, and then you like did this on the second bolt, so they don't have any mana to get you, yeah, like during your upkeep or whatever. Yep. So no, this card's Still, interesting. I, it's kind yeah, of a the, cyborg the card. card. Oh, yeah. You're not going to run this thing main deck, but it's going to play more powerful than it reads, I think. So I thought it was kind of worth including in our notable commons and uncommons. Yeah. So what's up next? Uh, We have prismatic ending. This is X and a white for sorcery with converge converge counts the number of different colors that you paid or that you used mana of while casting this spell. So it says, exile target non-land permanent if its mana value is less than or equal to the number of colors of mana spent to cast this spell. And that's the whole reason the X is there. Like, the X actually doesn't matter. It's just letting you funnel different colored mana into this thing. Yeah, so it's always going to be a white. Right. But if you have something that has two CMC, you can pay a white and a blue. Yep. Or a white and a black or whatever. Yeah, or whatever, yeah. It also lets you exile a chalice on one because you can pay it's or less. Oh yeah. So you could put two mana into it, like yep. a white, a white and a black. 
that yep. makes it CMC two, but it lets yep. you then get rid of the chalice. Mm-hmm. So for white, it's isolate, but at sorcery speed, mm-hmm. which was exile a permanent CMC one or sorry mana value one or less. Yep. And then this this scales. Right. It's probably best in like a three color deck. Yeah, I mean it gives you the most options. Yeah. Where like, you know, you're not gonna run four colors for it, but if you're like right. Esper, I could see you like maybe playing one mm-hmm. or two, because it just gives you the flexibility to kind of get like anything, you know. It gets their goblin guide on turn one. Yep. And then it, it also gets in the control mirror, it gets their Teferi mm-hmm. on turn three or whatever. Yep, sure does. So yeah, it's just a flexible good answer. The sorcery speed might hold it back, but otherwise it, it probably has a chance to be see some play. Yeah, I mean, the sorcery speed definitely holds it back, but I think it's important that it, it's just a non-land permanent. You can hit anything with this. Yeah. And with as efficient as the threats are in modern, you shouldn't have a hard time, you know, with even if this only ever hits, like, like I know you said uh, three colors is where you'd want to be, but I think two-color decks will be happy with this also. You know, yeah. a lot of the threats in modern are just two mana yeah. or less, or at least the stuff you're worried about. All right. Next up, we're going to blue and we're going to a merfolk one drop, kind of. It's Tide Shaper. It's mm-hmm. a blue for a one one with kicker one. Mm-hmm. So if it's kicked, target land an opponent. Oh, no, no, sorry. Just target land becomes an island for as long as Tide Shaper's on the battlefield. Yep. And then Tide Shaper gets plus one, plus one, as long as your opponent controls an island. Mm-hmm. So this gives you a way to kind of do the spreading seas thing. Yeah. With an actual clock. Right. So Merfolk used to play spreading seas, which is blue, blue, turn a land into an island. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's blue, blue, or is it one in the blue? I thought it was just a blue. Okay, maybe it's just a blue. Yeah. And they used to do that to, you know, make their island walk work. Yeah, I mean, it also has, like, the random benefit of messing up a mana base. A lot of the mana, because the mana is so good in modern, um, a lot of the mana bases are pretty greedy. And you can really ruin someone's day by turning their blood crypt into an island. Yeah, it... Spreading Seas has been like called the uh, the blue stone rain. Yeah. Spreading Seas is one in the blue. It is one in the blue. And it draws you a card. Yep. There's another one of this effect that is just a blue, but it doesn't draw you a card. Oh, okay. Yep. But Spreading Seas is the one they normally play. Yeah. But yeah, so Tide Shaper, you know, it draws you a card in air quotes because it draws you a 2-2. And cast it for free. Yeah. So like this again is a is another one drop for blue, uh, for Merfolk and kind of goes in with their new man of the Nile strategy. Yeah, with with Rashad and Dockhand. Yeah, he's on the list. We'll talk about him. We'll in get a him later. Yeah. All right. Next up, the card that no one knows if it's good enough. Yeah. The world is split. It's counterspell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't know how much we have to say about counterspell. It's an uncommon and. It'll probably always be worth at least a buck or two. And I'm sure all the control mages are going to shove it in their Esper and blue-white decks. Yeah. And, I mean, it's counterspell. 
It's Yarn Spell. Yeah, it's, it's going spell. to see play. Yep. People are going to try it at least. Next card, I've heard people ask if this makes it so that Jund is back on the menu. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's off-brand sinkhole. Yeah, kind of, sort of. It's off-brand. Uh, sure, off-brand. Walmart brand sinkhole. Kirkland's uh, best or whatever it is. Great value. Great, great value sinkhole. <laughs> it's uh, Break the Ice. Uh, black, black for a sorcery. Destroy target land that is snow or could produce colorless. And you can overload it for four black, black. Yeah. So, I didn't know about the overload thing. I didn't know it had overload until I looked at the uh, card file that you had made. Yeah. I don't I don't know how often you're going to overload this thing. I don't Col- think you're probably ever going to overload this thing. Yeah. It's like Winds of Abandon, where like no one ever really overloaded that card the few times it got yeah. cast. And I don't really think you're ever going to blow up Snowlands with this thing either. I think that one of the complaints after Modern Horizons 1 and Keldheim was there's no punish for playing Snowlands. Mm-hmm. So right. you just play Snowlands, right? You're just like, oh, I'm going to play Snowlands for whatever bluff value, or if I steal a card from my opponent's deck that cares about snow, I'm just going to play Snowlands. Yeah. This actually gives a punish to playing well, Snowlands. Right, but like that's kind of a meta thing. It like is. not meta as in meta game, just like meta out there in general. Like it, if this existing makes people that don't have to play Snowlands not play Snowlands, then you know what I mean. Like I, I don't know that you're at, that you're gonna cast this thing and blow up a Snowland. Exactly. Like yeah. Like it existing probably eliminates a bunch of Snowlands. Right. Which makes it so it doesn't have to be in your deck. Right. Or in your main deck because there aren't going to be snowlands to blow up. It's right. kind of like when you like spell snare something game one, mm-hmm. right? And then or you, you put spell... the fear of god in them. Yeah. Or <laughs> yeah, and they don't cast their two drop next game into your one blue mana. Right. Or like you spell pierce something and they just play around it for the rest of the match, and you right. can just take your spell pierces out of your deck because mm-hmm. they're just playing around spell pierce the whole time. Right. It's the same thing where. But instead, they're just like, well, I had no reason to play Snow Forest in my Elves deck. Yep. So I'm not going to play Snow Forest in my Elves deck anymore. Right. Now, the other part of this card. Yeah. That's why people are probably actually going to play this card. Yes. I went through the 50 most played lands, and we have Cavernous Souls that makes yes. colorless. Yikes. All of the Tron lands make colorless. Yep, yep. Eldrazi Temple, mm-hmm. all of the Horizon lands, so all the lands from Modern Horizons 1 plus Horizon Canopy. Okay. Uh, Blast Zone, mm-hmm. Field of Ruin, mm-hmm. Ghost Quarter, and Radiant Fountain are all in the top 50 most played lands with four out of five of the snow lands also. But those are all lands that this thing tags. Now, yeah. I know you're probably not going to tag an untapped horizon land field of ruin or ghost quarter. But if your opponent's using them for mana and you're worried about your mana base, absolutely. You can blow up their ghost quarter before they can activate it. Yeah. So people are excited about this, that it costs two mana. Yeah. And so if you're playing Jund, you mm-hmm. can just like turn to stone rain, your Tron opponent. 
Right. As opposed to the ways you had to interact with lands before were on turn three. Right. So after they carn you. After 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 you've lost the game, you can be right. like, blow up your tower. It's like, yeah. I've already lost the game, but I get your tower now. Yay. <laughs> right. This lets you, you know, interact on the turn that you need to interact on. Yeah. So that's why people, I think, are excited. Mm-hmm. And if you ever overload this and get, like, all of someone's snowlands, like, just do a victory lap. Good like, on you, just, buddy. Yeah, let's, like, leave the store and just walk around the parking lot with your arms held high. <laughs> because, like, you, you, you did it. Yeah. I'm going to Armageddon you. <laughs> Only you. <laughs> yeah. Next up, I guess I don't know where this might get played, but it's Sinister Starfish. I yeah, I don't I don't think it's actually going to get played. I just thought it was cool that it's like, it's not Sigil Starfish anymore. It's si- Sinister Starfish. It is Sinister Starfish. So yeah. one in the black for an 03 mm-hmm. with tap surveil one. Yeah. So it's a surveil fish, not a scry fish. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's part of me that's like too slow, but like, you could see Dredge maybe like kicking the tires on this for a second and realizing it's bad. Yeah, it, I mean it's not good, but there's decks that play, it, you know, not that this is as good as, but there's decks that play like Codex Shredder, and this is yeah. an approximation of Codex Shredder, I guess. That blocks. Um, yeah, Surveil is definitely more powerful than Scry, which is what Sigil Starfish had. It fuels whatever graveyard graveyard strategy you're trying to do. It's a creature, so like you said, it, it blocks. I don't really know what else you're trying to do with it, but the one thing that I remembered as I was kind of writing this, uh, th- the show notes for this episode, was that some of the payoffs for Surveil weren't awful. Yeah. But most of the enablers for Surveil weren't good. Yeah. So... Like the it was the spy bug, it was yeah. like a two mana threat that had evasion and grew pretty quick if you could surveil reliably like every turn. And disinformation campaign is kind uh, of a beating once you have that engine going. Yeah. Now I'm pretty sure disinformation campaign's a little slow for modern, but you know if you're just looking to, you know, build a cheap deck, I think you might be able to have some fun with that. Yeah. So. <sighs> Next up is a nightmare. <laughs> nightmare for you. <laughs> uh, sudden edict. Mm-hmm. One in the black. Instant. Split second. Target player <laughs> sacrifices a creature. Split second basically means if this is on the stack, you can. No one can do anything. Mm-hmm. Except it closes the door behind itself. Yes, it closes <laughs> off the stack. You can't yep. fetch in response. You can't. Right. The only thing you can do is tap a, tap something for mana, but then you can't yep. spend the mana. Correct. So they put like diabolic edict into the format, mm-hmm. and no one cared. Well, they put diabolic edict into the format, and then immediately afterwards printed better diabolic edict with Liliana's triumph. Yeah, and then nobody cared, and nobody cared. <laughs> so they're like, let's try again. Mm-hmm. So the split second is important on this. I brought up fetching, right? Yep. If you're playing against uh, boggles. Yeah. Uh, or even infect if they've gone all in on like one creature. Right. right. Usually if you cast an edict, 
they could, like, in response, fetch and go get a Dryad Arbor. Or activate a Blink Moth or whatever. Yeah, to do something to not lose the creature that they have gone all in on. Right. This doesn't let them do that. Yep. This is also bad for, uh, we'll talk about a little bit later, the reanimator archetype. Mm-hmm. Right? If you've gone, like, you know, we use Legacy as an example, like, Entomb, reanimate. And they're just like, whoopsie. <laughs> and like blow up like three for one you. I mean, you've got yeah. a grizzle brand, so you're fine. But they just, but in modern, you can't get grizzle brand with the way they have the new reanimator deck set up. So you just like right. get your thing like munched by mm-hmm. sudden uh, edict. Same with like a merit lage. Yeah. Just like, oops, nope, this is bad. Yeah. I mean, you also can't respond to this by drawing seven cards with Gristlebrand. True. So yeah, if you pass priority, yeah, they just like sudden edict it, and you're just like, oh, bummer. Yeah, yeah. good point. Like you would have you have to cash, you have to like draw seven like in the blind, mm-hmm. and you only get seven. Yep. I guess technically you can hold priority and hit the button twice. <laughs> yeah. Hold priority, draw seven, draw seven. Do your worst. Yeah. Um, Edict me, bro. Yeah. We both know you have this. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, this this card, no no bueno for uh, the put one big threat on the battlefield guy. Mm-hmm. The art's kind of cool, too. It is. It is. It's the classic split second card thing where yeah. there's like a, a line across where like there's a guy who's doing all right and then his hand is doing less good. <laughs> Way less good. Way less good. All of his flesh is gone. Pretty skeletal. Yeah. All right. So what's up with this next uh, reprint? Yeah. So this is a guy that I mentioned. I think it was in our pre-show last week. It's a Scourge Familiar. So it's four and a black for a Phyrexian Imp. That's a 3-2 flyer and has discard a card, add B. So add a black mana. Yes. This card kind of has some like combo potential. I don't know how you're going to get it into play, but if you can like draw your deck, this will just kill somebody with whatever else is in your deck that you have drawn. Like yeah. this makes for a huge torment to hailfire. Yes. Or so whatever. Like I, yeah. I couldn't really think of a great way to get it into play once you've drawn your deck. So that's probably a deck building problem for somebody that's smarter than me. Yeah. But like Adnaz, where you just draw your deck, this could be a way to get around Mana Monkey's sudden demise. Yeah. So. Um, I just can't think of any way to get him from your hand into play, like on the cheap. So I don't I don't know if uh Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know if anyone else is thinking about it or Yeah, if there's a, qu- a quick way to like reanimate him or like Yeah. You know there's like through the breaching him costs the same amount, so why bother? Yeah. At that point, you can just cast them. Like yeah. if you have 10 mana, I guess. Yeah. All right. Now we're on to red cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first card is Blazing Rootwalla, mm-hmm. which is a callback to Basking Rootwalla. Mm-hmm. So Blazing Rootwalla is a red for a 1-1. One, one. Uh, you pay a red. It gets plus 2, plus 0 oh, until end mm-hmm. of turn. You can only activate that ability once. Yeah. And then it has Madness for zero. 
which means if you discard it, you just can put it into play. Right. You cast it for free. Like Basking Rootwalla has had a longtime home in Vengevine decks. Mm-hmm. This card kind of fits in like a Vengevine or a deck or like I saw someone today playing uh, a Hollow One deck with mm-hmm. like Burning Inquiry. Does This doesn't work with Hollow One though, right? Because Madness is a replacement effect? If you discard this card, so you're still discarding it because Hollow One doesn't care where it goes after you oh, discarded it. It okay. just cares that you discarded it. Okay. So, you know. Hmm. I wouldn't have thought that worked. Yeah, but it's you only get the madness trigger once you've discarded the card, and Hollow One's mm-hmm. only counting how many cards you discarded. Yeah, it doesn't matter what happens after that. Yeah, like Blaze- so, like Hollow One works with like Rest in Peace, though. Yes, because again, you're discarding the card. You're still discarding it. Okay. It, yeah, because it discards and then it goes to nowhere. Right, it goes yeah. to exile, but they still got exiled. Or they still hmm. got discarded. So, Blazy Boy is gonna. F- like power up a Vengevine deck. Mm-hmm. Like also it's going to see legacy play because yeah. having eight copies of Basking Root Wallet is what the Vengevine decks wanted. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just, it's probably going to see play in vintage mm-hmm. for the same reason. So like this card just kind of does, it looks innocuous, but it does a lot. It's going yeah. like, to enable multiple decks. Mm-hmm. I'm down for, you know, legacy and vintage and whatever. I don't necessarily know if he's going to be a huge role player in modern. I, I hadn't seen this hollow one list that you were talking about, but I didn't think that he did quite enough. He might not like the, the hollow one list. I, I saw, I, I just saw like someone play against it okay. was, um, was mono red and didn't have venge vines. Mm-hmm. It was just trying to like, you know, not throw its whole deck away for absolutely no value because mm-hmm. it played our next card as well. Okay. So it used, it played dragon dragons rage Chandler. Okay. This is, I saw a, uh, a list where um, uh, people are saying uh, this is, it's a, an MTG MTG goldfish, like top 10 cards from modern horizons for legacy. And they oh, had really? dragon rage Chandler at number one. Wow. So, okay. so it's a red for a one one. When you cast a mm-hmm. non creature spell, spell surveil one, mm-hmm. and it has delirium. As long as there are four or more cards among uh, four or more card types among cards in your graveyard, Dragon Rage Chandler gets plus two plus two and has flying and has to attack each turn of Fable. So they were using Burning Inquiry to throw just bulk stuff into their graveyard. Yeah, it didn't matter what it was. Yeah, so they played Mishra's Bobble mm-hmm. and Hollow One as their artifacts. Mm-hmm. And then, right, they took advantage of the Surveil to fill their graveyard that way as well. Yeah. And then it was Goblin Lore and Burning Inquiry to just, mm. I'm going to put stuff in my graveyard now. Yeah, I mean, I guess like Dragon's Rage. Are we done with Blazing Root, Walla? I think so. I guess we're done, right? I guess Dragon's Rage Channeler is pretty close to just delver right it is like my concern with it is like this is the the start of the the format right and so mm-hmm. people look at these cards as like oh this is like almost a delver but it's a delver that you have to actively do more work for yeah and those kind of cards don't usually pan out yeah right because 
it's harder to set up Dragon's Rage Channeler than it is to flip a Delver. Yes. Right. Like, I mean, it's also if you're in the market for a one mana three three, it's also easier to turn down Wild McCoddle. Yeah, there's a lot of ways. Now this has evasion, but there are a lot of ways right, to yeah. get that thing, get that effect, and not have to like hope to spin into like an artifact right or you know instant sorcery land creature yeah right so you know it's not hard to like brainstorm crack a fetch and then like ponder Mm -hmm. and you just have to hope that you like surveil the right card on top Mm -hmm. right because you get the three three types and then you have to hope that like in one of your two surveils you hit a creature right and like you know, if you're a Delphur deck, you don't have that many creatures to flip in. So <laughs> no, but like the Blitz decks run a decent amount of creatures. Yeah, so, so and this, like, like this could fit into a Blitz deck for sure. Yeah. So I'm I'm a little less excited about it for like Legacy, but yeah. I think in Modern, like in the Blitz decks or something like that, it's good. Like it's just hard. It's hard in Modern and Legacy to play cards that have like this hard of a fail case. Mm-hmm. That's like not easy to mitigate, because like if your Delver doesn't flip for one turn, like you're casting a brainstorm or a ponder, right? That next turn, like you're gonna flip it. Yeah. Right. It's not, but this is like I've got to do. Like sometimes you like do the work and then you don't hit the fourth type, mm-hmm. and you spent one mana to do nothing, or right? you spent one mana on a basking root walla. Yeah. Right. You basically. Like, ba- like basking root well is not playable except for you can play it for zero mana. Right. Yeah. And e- even then, I don't know if he's playable. Yeah. Like that was one of the things that I was thinking when I was writing this episode was like basking root walla kind of is irrelevant. It is. And like does blazing root walla, like magic has kind of moved past the days of basking root walla being a relevant magic card. Yeah. I mean, other than like I said, in Vengevine decks. Yeah, you know, I definitely understand having access to four more of the same card is important, but like in general and in modern where you don't have four more of this card, like I think Magic's just kind of moved on from yeah, oh, the yeah. point where this card was like the best thing you could be doing. And you don't have Faithless Looting to like right. set up your Venge Vines so that yeah. on turn two you can be like, oh, boom, Root yeah. Walla, get my Venge Vine, let's go. It's like, yeah. oh... I don't have that ability to do that now. Mm-hmm. So next up, next page. What do we got on the next page? Next Boom. page. We've got the randomest random card, Flame Blitz. Yeah, I didn't realize this thing was an enchantment. I didn't initially either. And then I was just <laughs> like, and when I like looked at the spoiler again, I was like, huh. Yeah. All right, we're taking a stand here. Yeah. So Flame Blitz is a red. Oh, this is also an enchantment with cycling. Yes. Yes, we'll talk about that later. The Flame Blitz is a red for an enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, Flame Blitz deals five damage to each Planeswalker. Yeah. Cycling two. Now, Mm -hmm. having just read this, I assumed it was to target Planeswalker. I didn't realize it was to all of them. Oh, so when I first read this card... I did realize it was each planeswalker, but I, I didn't realize it was an enchantment. I thought this was like one mana wrath planeswalkers, which I think would have been a perfectly playable magic card. 
but instead you get to do it every turn. Yes, this is like all of your planeswalkers basically just get like one activation and then they like get eaten by flame blips. Right. It seems like a sideboard card. Mm -hmm. It also seems like oddly like a sideboard card that like a control deck would bring in against another control deck. Maybe. Right, where where you're like, I'll play my flame blitz for like very little investment. Mm-hmm. And now like if you play your Narset, you only get one card mm-hmm. and then I eat it on my end on my end step. If you play it to fairy fine, you bounce it, but it's only one mana for me to replay it. Yeah. And right, but like if you're playing a control deck in modern, you're probably playing planeswalkers. Oh, I guess, yeah, it is. I guess it is each planeswalker. I like, yeah, yeah I was thinking it's one side. It's no, you're right. You're right. I guess, but like, like you said, I mean, this just kind of hoses control decks, though. It's going to come down and like hit the battlefield before a control deck is set up to take care of it. And yeah, so it's just going to come down and like destroy to fairies. Is this more of like a Jund card? Because, right, like, Could be. Burn doesn't want this effect, right? Blitz doesn't want this effect, right. I don't think. Right? This was more of, a, like, a mid-range mm-hmm. effect. So, like, I guess that leaves us, like, Jund. Yeah, I don't... I don't know. I don't even know if necessarily Jund wants... Like, maybe Jund Shadow wants this. Yeah. Because this is going to wreck your lilies, too, when your Fair. lilies are important against the control decks. Yes, yeah, so I guess I don't know where this goes, but it is like really interesting and right, like you just get so many and I guess it gets your red and six too. Like yeah. you just get so yeah. it just can get you so much value. Yeah. Right? It just makes every planeswalker your opponent draws just a blank. A dead card basically. You're yeah. you're gonna pay whatever its mana cost is for one activation, then it's gonna die. Yeah. So it's like, am I willing to spend like three mana to draw a card with mm-hmm. big teferi i am right. not <laughs> makes that card way less good yes yeah. all right unholy heat yeah i i don't know if this card's good or not but the rate is like way pushed yeah so what does this do uh so unholy heat is a single red mana for an instant that deals two damage to target creature or planeswalker unless you have delirium and then it's six damage instead. Um. Again, this is one that I don't know where it goes. Yeah, like maybe maybe that's something that they found with this set is that you know they found these cards that really don't have a home, so they can turn the dials way up. Yeah, I mean, like this and like unholy, like unholy hate and flame blitz. I think are just a response to like the war of the spark forward kind of like nonsense could be where like think about how much magic has become about like planeswalkers yeah and it's like okay we need some way to deal with these i'd also like to point out that an oko plus doesn't get flame blitzed (laughs) that is true you have to have delirium on your unholy heat to kill an oko that plussed yeah yikes solid design (laughs) uh no it's interesting I mean, if you get Delirium, it just lets you get, like, whatever you want to kill. It's, like, Terminate. Yeah, basically. For or, one mana. Or Dreadbore. It's, like, a one-mana Dreadbore. Mm-hmm. At instant um, speed for one instant mana. Speed, yeah. So, like, you could see, like, like 
shadow decks playing this or something like because mm-hmm. they have like bobbles and stuff yeah they're pretty good at filling their yard up yeah i mean they might not play like a ton of them but they could play a couple yeah all right next one victory lap Whoa. <laughs> uh flame rift so one in the red sorcery flame rift deals four damage to each player mm-hmm. this card goes one place it goes into burn and it will be very good in that deck. It probably also goes into Blitz. Mm-hmm. But it'll be very good in those decks. Yep. Four so, damage is a lot of reach. It is a lot of reach. When you do the math, mm-hmm. right? Like, it it takes you from having to cast, you know, uh, seven burn spells to, like, one less, right? No, I guess it, that gets you to 19 if you cast six, if one of them is Flame Rift. Yeah, but your opponent well, right, fetched but if at some point. Fetched, yeah. yeah, they fetched at some point, right? So it's kind of like you know, instead of like six spells getting your opponent to one, six the, your six spell can be flame rift and it gets your opponent to dead. Yep, which is a big deal. Yep, which is why you called it. Yeah, boom. <laughs> Again, like we're we're getting to the point like we had talked like I talked about before where. I feel like we've leaned super hard into like the aggro mm-hmm. and to get under everything. And it's becoming harder and harder to like play the mid range decks that are like a step bigger. Yeah. Because on the other end is just like, we're real big. Right. And your mid range decks is, are not, not getting, uh, not able to keep up. Yeah. All right. Awful hard to keep up with prime time. It is next up card that i guarantee will be banned in popper 100 percent. 100 percent. i'm surprised it hasn't already been banned preemptively banned yes that is chatterstorm mm-hmm. so is... chatterstorm is one in a green for a sorcery create a one one green squirrel creature token with storm ta-da ta-da so, like so it's like Exactly half of an empty the Warrens. Yes. And like the only like storm card that's like legal in Popper is like the one that goes and gets you like a land. Mm-hmm. And people still figure out ways to kill you with that. <laughs> like they banned a grape shot, they banned empty, right? They can't like keep Chatterstorm in the format. Right. It's also just like is there going to be some random green storm deck? Maybe. Like, find its way in the modern? Well, I mean, this is kind of what I was talking about in our called shots episode, right? Is some sort of like off color magecraft payoff? Yeah. Because this thing triggers, uh, what's his name? Witherbloom Apprentice. Yeah. So, what's our next thing? Uh, this is Foundation Breaker, three and a green for a 2 2 elemental. When Foundation Breaker enters the battlefield, you may destroy target artifact or enchantment with Evoke, one and a green. So Evoke, if you don't know what Evoke is, is you can cast it for its Evoke cost. But if you do, when it enters the battlefield, you have to sacrifice it. So there's a window, and this is going to come mm-hmm. up later, where yep. there are two triggers that go on the stack. There's mm-hmm. the trigger for whatever the ETB effect is and yep. the trigger for sacrificing it. So you yep. can like stack those triggers so that you can like do shenanigans. Mm-hmm. So like you could, let's say your opponent had a rest in peace. 
right? You could stack your trigger so that the ETB destroyed enchantment happens. Right. Rest in peace goes away. Now your foundation breaker goes to the graveyard as opposed yeah. to getting exiled. Yep. So you can do little little things like that, and it's going to come up later with uh, the other cycle of evoke elementals. Mm-hmm. So. Now, I don't necessarily know if this is like the best card like this that we have access to, but like Ingachewer did see play prior yep. to this. Ingachewer was basically the same thing, but red, and it only blew up enchantments. Yeah, so it just cost a red. Yeah. So yeah, like um, the fact that this gets both, like, the yeah. like ingot chewer, like oftentimes had a home in, like, uh, living, living index, yeah. right? So this can do kind of the same thing, where instead of getting whatever artifact graveyard hate, it just it takes care of their rest in peace or their ley line of the void. Yep. And then as a body, even though it's a two-two, is a body that can come back later. Right. Yep. Every point matters with those decks. Yeah. Next up, we're going to call this card just Blind Melon. <laughs> yeah, I don't think this card is good, but I love this artwork. So I don't, I'm not sure why it speaks to me. I don't know what's um, supposed to be going on. I love it. I love every minute of it. So it's Glimmer Burn. Yep. It's a green mana for a one, two oaf. And you can sacrifice a token to give it plus two, plus two until end of turn. So, so it's. Just a green Atog, but for tokens. Oh, I hadn't thought of it as an Atog, but yes. It's just an Atog. It's a token Atog. So there is a deer eating. Mm-hmm. And then there is, I'm assuming the oof, that yep. kind of looks just like a character from The Simpsons. <laughs> if their face was like peachy pink instead of yellow. Yeah. Wearing a what looks like a full body butterfly bee hybrid costume Mm -hmm. in the forest and he's like petting the deer yeah i don't know what is going on i don't know if this is not a costume and this is just what this person looks like every moment when they wake (laughs) up but it looks like based on the line around the face like they went to like a spirit halloween and bought (laughs) a butterfly costume you know what i don't see in there in that picture though what rain <laughs> rain there's there's no rain there's no rain go uh get on youtube <laughs> and just like look up like blind melon what was the name of the song no rain no rain there we go blind melon <laughs> no rain and there's just a little girl dancing around in like a butterfly or a bee costume yeah. and that this is what this is to me like what was the art I asked in the pre-show? What is the art direction? Watch this blind melon video. Channel it. <laughs> like that's the art direction? What are we doing? All right. It's great. I love it. I think the card's bad. Well, I, I don't I guess it's not just bad, but I don't know how you can break it. Like there's nothing that generates tokens cheaply enough to make it relevant, I don't think. Yeah, to like storm off with tokens. Yeah. Next up. Tireless provisioner. Yeah, this is is kind of a polarizing card, right? It is cut rate tireless tracker with like half the text missing. Well, it's more Lotus Cobra than tireless tracker. Kinda. So it's two and a green for a a three two, Mm -hmm. which is very tireless trackery. It is. And then landfall, whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, create a food or a treasure. 
the treasure Which is very is the Lotus Cobra. Lotus Cobra. Yeah. Yeah. What it's missing from Tireless Tracker is the ability to like grow. Well, and draw cards. Yeah. Well, I mean, it it says it makes a different tre- yeah. a, a, a different um, token. Like, it's not like if you sacrifice a food or a treasure, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Like, it's right. missing that part to just be, like, a 100% knockoff tireless tracker. Yeah. Well, this card would be busted with that wording, though. Oh, yeah. Because you just make a bunch of treasures however you can and then make this thing a giant. Yeah. It's weird. I guess, like, the, I don't know, going, like, Lotus Cobra into this, into, like, crack, like... Lotus Cobra, play then like play a fetch, mm-hmm. get the mana, play this, fetch, get two more mana, do something else, is probably a pretty good turn. I guess you get up mm-hmm. three mana. Yeah. That's pretty good. So, no, it's interesting. I don't know. I haven't seen anyone do anything with it yet, but it is an uh, interesting I've card. heard some people complaining about it already. Already? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember exactly what they were saying, but there was people saying that it was problematic. Awesome. So, yep. Secretly, Hogak's an uncommon now. Um, <laughs> Maybe. And an elf. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of elves. Speaking of elves. We call ding, this ding, one ding. Two. Yep. Quirion Ranger. Mm-hmm. Green for a 1 1. Elf Ranger. Return a forest you control to its owner's hand. Untap target creature. Whew. Activate only once each turn. Yeah. So oftentimes when people activate this, they will flip the card upside down. Like they'll rotate it. Yeah. So to remember they, that you've. Yeah. Because it gets real. Because you don't have to. Yeah. You don't have to tap this thing to use its ability. It, yeah. You just do the thing. Right. This can let you do shenanigans. If you like have a land light hand. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you could go like, you know, land or elf, like forest land or elf. Then like play a ranger. Mm-hmm. Tap your Llanowar Elf, put your forest back in your hand, untap your Llanowar Elf, play your forest again on turn two, and yep. end up with three mana off of a land and an elf. Right. Really like four. Yeah, four. Because mm-hmm. you got the, the mana to make the Cassacrian Ranger. Right. Two mana from the elf. Yeah. And then a mana from playing replaying the forest. Right. So it does silly, silly, silly things. It it can also make like big mana if you combine it with something else. Yeah. So if you're in like an enchantress deck, like we're gonna talk about in a little while, this gets to untap the Sarah's Sanctum on a body. It does. And make a whole bunch of mana. Also, if you have the um, Urborg for forests. Yavamaya, Cradle of whatever. Yeah. This lets you untap a uh, Nykthos. Yeah. And Legacy, it lets you untap a Gaia's Cradle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it does it does shenanigans with all of your lands are forests. Like the ones that yeah. aren't supposed to be forests. You're yeah. like, Nykthos, pick my Nykthos back up, play my Nykthos, Nykthos again. Yep. Uh, profit. I don't know. Play a creator yeah. of like, play a prime time. Like any number of things. Yeah, what, whatever you're gonna do. Also, this thing like untaps your arch druids and elves, which, mm-hmm. like the the current elf decks, I don't think are super big mana. So I don't know that that matters a ton, but it's worth noting. Yeah. All right. 
Goblin Archomancer. Uh, Something like that. Yeah, green, red. For a Goblin Shaman, it's a Mm 2-2. Each spell you cast that's red or green costs one less to cast. Mm -hmm. This is... Like Goblin Electromancer, but instead of just being instants and sorceries, it's anything that's green or red? Yeah. I don't know if I should be scared of this card. Like, these kind of cost reductions often get out of hand. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you know what they they reprinted just, like, the last set? What did they reprint the last set? Grinning Ignis. Oh, yeah, this lets you go infinite with him. Yep. You just get infinite storm because you're mana neutral. Yeah. Are you mana? Oh yeah, you are mana neutral. You're yeah. Not up one. But yeah, you just like yeah, you just end the end your loop with one or with with three mana and right. win. Yep. I was shatter say, storm like, for ten million. Yeah. Or grape shot you. Yeah. I was thinking, just like, I don't know, the pedestrian turn of like play this on turn two mm-hmm. and then like gruel spellbreaker into um what is he called uh the two two uh robber of the rich like that's your yeah. turn three right yeah, because, that's pretty good too like it just generates you a mana on each spell and so those can be dangerous because they generate yeah. a ton of mana yeah um you can also go a little bit different route with is it hidden herbalists from aether revolt uh-huh is like burning tree emissary, but with revolt. Yeah. So if you fetch, he generates mana instead of just being mana neutral. Because it's like one and a green. It's one and a green, and then if you have revolt, it makes green green. Yeah. And you get so a two two body. Yeah. So you just get to go kind of go nuts. So yeah. like, it it's one of those cards that like might not be good enough, mm-hmm. but it also just has the ability to like lead to like super busted starts yeah it's kind of like the like eye of ugin where mm-hmm. it was like oh hey all your colorless creature or uh, colorless eldrazi cost two less to cast yeah and it's like well that's not <laughs> that's not that bad and then like your opponent gets six mana worth of spells on turn one yeah and you're like oh that's because when this card was printed there were only 10 mana eldrazi and now we have four mana eldrazi and it's a and, problem and two mana eldrazi yeah Right, yeah, so it's probably not good enough, but it also is just one of those cards that could break. Like, it doesn't yeah. take much to break it or at least turn it into, like, a goblin electromancer kind of, like, staple. Yeah. There's, like, one or two decks that just always play it. The one other thing that I'll mention is that in last week's pre-show, the one that we went super long on, we kind of went over the modern ban list and thought that maybe Glimpse was okay. Glimpse is no longer okay. Yeah, you probably can't glimpse with this guy. No, there is there is no world where this and Glimpse are okay in the format together. Yeah. I mean, unless that world's Legacy. Right, yeah. I mean, you can do whatever you want in Legacy. I don't care. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> All right. Next up, I kind of like gloss over this card, but upon reading it, I was like, oh. Huh. Oh, no, this guy's pretty good. Yeah, so what is this it? This is a Rakdos Headliner. It's a black and a red for a 3-3 devil with haste, way above rate, and it has echo. So the way echo works is the upkeep, your upkeep after you cast it, you have to pay its upkeep cost or you sacrifice it. 
And in this case, his echo cost is discarding a card. So that lets you work towards delirium. If you are playing the dragon's rage channeler, it lets you put something that you want to have in your graveyard, in your graveyard. Mm -hmm. Like if let's say the reanimator deck is like black red, Mm -hmm. right? This is a way for you to get your reanimation target. This in your hand into your graveyard. Right. And while also being like, yeah, you got to kill this three, three as well. Like you can't just ignore this guy because it's a clock. Yeah. I mean, he's a clock. Because, like, you know, you're at 14. Yeah. Uh, by the end of turn three or whatever. It also turns on, like, whatever madness you're trying to do. Yeah. Like, it makes fiery temper, like, at least in the conversation where normally it probably wouldn't be. Yeah. And Blazing Root Walla and Asthma Ren, whatever. Yeah. Where you're just like, then you play, like, a one mana 3-3. Three, three. Yeah. The next, like, you, like discard my blazing root wall i cast it for a zero now cast my asthma and uh now i've got like seven power on the board and i've got a cookbook (laughs) take that take that cookbook so yeah like it's more of like a card that's a good rate that is also like an enabler for shenanigans yeah where it might not in and of itself look like it's a powerful card but it's like oh the discard a card thing is a big deal Yep. I mean, maybe your uh, Vengevine deck is Jund. Yeah. Like it and gives you, you can, yeah. Gives you a way to like get a free creature yep. disc, uh, uh, cast from uh, Blazing Rootwalla or get your Vengevine into the yard. Yeah. Your turn three has been your, been your Vengevine and then cast two one drops. Yeah. All right. What's up next? Oh, Ooh, the squirrel. Yeah. Ravenous squirrel. This is a hybrid Golgari for a 1-1 squirrel. And whenever you sacrifice an artifact or creature, you can put a plus one, plus one counter on Ravenous Squirrel. And you can also pay one black green, sacrifice an artifact or creature. You gain a life and draw a card. It's a little slow, but like for for the activated ability, but if you're playing like a deck that, uh, is generating treasures somehow mm-hmm. and just sacrificing those treasures and growing this, this becomes a threat. Well, I mean, this is also like a, I think this could play decent in a Vengevine deck as well, where you have like grave crawlers and carrion feeders and whatever, oh, yeah. because whatever you're feeding to your carrion feeder, this grows right alongside it. So your yeah. blood ghasts and like I said, grave crawlers and whatever is going to make a big threat for yeah. you basically a colorless mana. Yeah, so these are our uncommons. Yep. And commons. So what about what are our rares? Uh, first up, we have Esper Sentinel. It's a single white mana for a 1-1 artifact creature human soldier. Whenever an opponent casts their first non-creature spell each turn, draw a card unless that player pays X, where X is Esper Sentinel's power. This card so is I think this good. thing is like, yeah, it's very good. Like, it strikes me as like, kind of just like a four of in humans Mm -hmm. where it triggers all your human synergies but also like if your opponent has to cast an opt on turn one you just get a card right if they have to bolt if they bolt it or bolt one of the other creatures you more than likely just get a card yep and like lord help them if you like play a thalia's lieutenant yeah and now it's a two two now you just always get a card whenever they cast any non-creature basically Right, it just gives you more staying power in that deck. 
Mm-hmm. It like that's really good. Fills all of your tribal needs and a whole of like that card would, that deck would run out of cards. Yeah, and like I think this if humans wasn't a thing, like this would even see play in just like a D and T style deck. Like just yeah. with Thalia's and stuff, I think this is a reasonable enough tax effect all by itself for one mana that it would see play. Speaking of art, this yeah. armor is ineffective. <laughs> Definitely ineffective. Basically wearing like broken lattice work. Yeah. Is that armor or is that part of him? I mean, he is an artifact creature. It Maybe that's just him. Maybe that's just him. I don't know. If I'm going to have a, like, hard exoskeleton, I would like it to cover, like, all my squishy bits. <laughs> all your squishy bits. Not just, like, like he's done some sit-ups, but not just, like, <laughs> hey, man, cover, like, my shoulders, and yeah, I'm good. Yep. I'm good. That's all I need. All right, so next up is what I think could be a legacy card, and that's Merktide Regent. It's five blue-blue. Mm-hmm. For a 3-3 dragon, oh yeah, legacy playable, but it has Delve, <laughs> and so when it enters the battlefield, it gets a plus one, plus one counter for each instant and sorcery uh, card exiled with it, mm-hmm. and then whenever you have an instant or sorcery leave your graveyard, uh, we put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Okay. So this kind of falls in the same vein as, was it, Ethereal Forager, the big whale? Yep. So Ethereal Forager, you get to cast the instant of sorcery that you uh, exiled. When you connect, you get to pick mm-hmm. one to cast. But it's a 3-3. It, like, dies to bolt. This is just, like, a giant, like, Tomb Stalker-esque clock. Yeah, I think this is probably better than, like, Tomb Stalker or Zombie Fish. Probably. Like, Zombie Fish gets to be one mana a lot of times. Yeah, but, like, this gains evasion and could be bigger yeah so i think like if you're trying to like replace one of those cards with this i think that's fine i don't know if this is just better than forager i think it's a question of like what you want to do like i think in like a blue red delver deck this might be better than forager because like in a blue red delver deck like you're trying to end the game yeah right like you're an aggressive deck so you'd rather have like a five five Mm-hmm. to make your clock two turns instead of three, but you right. are losing the ability to like cast a ponder or two extra. Yeah. But so I think like if you're a, a deck that's interested in playing a longer game, mm-hmm. then Forager is probably better weakness to lightning bolt notwithstanding. Right. But if you're playing a, trying to play a shorter, more condensed game where like mm-hmm. you'd rather have a five, five or a six, six, and you don't want to go into a third color then this guy's probably better. Yeah. I don't know. It is it they're different cards. Yeah, I think they're they're different enough to where they're not really interchangeable, I don't think. Yeah, but, I think you want one or the other. It's not yeah. like you're gonna be torn, but I think it's a matter of deck construction. What's the what's the casting cost on the whale? Do you I remember? think it's four uh blue blue. It's four blue blue. I think. Yeah. Not- I don't know. I, I was just thinking like in the Delver decks, like I think five is kind of a lot. Like it's a lot to ask if you're trying to play like a short game, like the, the situation that you're describing, you're trying to play a short game and just end it. Like maybe on turn four, like you're probably not going to 
play this before turn four, right? Three? Probably. I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, you're definitely not going to play it on two. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to play it forager on two either, I don't think. But like, if right. You're... But like, that's what that's what I mean, though, is like you're not playing it on two to like make a, you know, a speedy game. You're you're playing it after that to like re up. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, I don't know, like ponder, brainstorm, fetch another ponder like on turn three, you're getting like a six, six for two or three mana. And now it's like, OK, yeah, the game's about this giant thing. And, you know, I'll have a force or yeah. whatever. Okay, let's go. Like, because if you get it for two mana on, like, turn three, which yeah. isn't, like, asking a lot, right? Because, I mean, I described basically almost every Delver deck's, like, first couple turns, which is, like, oh, I'll cast a Ponder. I'll cast a yeah. Brainstorm and Fetch. I'll bolt your thing or I'll cast another Ponder. Now you've just got the food for it, and it's not a big deal. But, yeah, yeah. it could be... It could be the thing I like about it is it doesn't get bolted like Ethereal mm-hmm. Forager does. Right. And so if you have if you have this, like it it is a little stickier, but it does lose the ability to grind longer game. Mm-hmm. So. But like that's in legacy though. In yeah. modern, this is probably just better than Tombstalker and yeah. maybe the zombie fish. Yeah, I've like I've not seen a Tombstalker cast in a long time. Yeah. So Next up, yeah, this is the fish that we were uh, the fish we were talking about earlier. This yeah. is Rishadan Dockhand, uh, blue mana for a one-two Merfolk with Island Walk, and you can pay a mana and tap it to tap a land. So typically, you would do this like during your opponent's upkeep, tap one of their lands down to keep them off of mana. That's the, like the play pattern for Port in like yeah. the DNT decks and Legacy. So. Like this might change the way that the um like the fish decks are built in modern a little bit. Yeah. Where you you're a little bit more controly and like a little bit tempo-y instead of just being like an out and out tribal deck. Yeah. Like Murfolk is looking to like steal a couple turns and then get itself set up. Yep. So a situation where you like play this on one and then you play, you know, some other one drop and then tap their land. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the next turn, you're like, tap your land again, but now I have a lord. Like, I have yeah. three mana. I played a lord. I got him with my one drop, and then I tapped your land, and I kept you a turn behind. Yeah. And now you're hoping that, like, on, like, turn four, you can, you know, start to turn the corner and maybe stop tapping stuff and, like, play another lord. Yeah. And be like, oh, okay, now, like, I've got a big enough board that now this guy can transition from slowing you down to ending the game. Mm-hmm. Where like port doesn't get to make that transition. Yeah. Also, how is this guy not a pirate? I have no idea. I mean, he's, he's obviously a, a pirate. He's on a pirate ship with a sword with yeah. other piratey looking people. Obviously a pirate. Obviously a pirate. Though he does look like he's wearing a backwards baseball cap. <laughs> sure. Does not seem like that's in world, but yeah, he he should be deep down. He knows he's a pirate. Yeah. All right. Next up. Damn! There you go. From Friday. <laughs> uh, black, black for a sorcery. Destroy target creature. A creature destroyed this way can't be regenerated. Uh, for those of you that have been playing for a while or have recently come back to the game after playing when you were a kid, uh, that is Barry. 
bury a creature and it has overload for two white white so when you overload it you get to destroy all creatures and a creature destroyed this way can't be regenerated so it's two mana for a sorcery speed removal spell or just wrath of god it is two mana for a better walk the plank Yes, this is a strictly better walk the plank. It doesn't have the Merfolk Rider. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so, so someone described, I think Krim uh, was describing it as like, if you're building a control deck, if you're building Esper Control, mm-hmm. there's a certain number of cards in your deck that are your sweepers. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain number of cards in your deck that are your spot removal spells. Mm-hmm. This does both. This frees up more space in your deck. Mm-hmm. Because your spot removal spell is also your sweeper. Right. So like you have overlap. Yeah. So like when you need it to be kill your kill something on turn two, it's that. But yeah. when you draw it later in the game when your opponent has three creatures, mm-hmm. it's just your wrath of God, it's your sweeper. Right. So it kind of pulls double duty. So it's gonna free up spots in your deck for other things. Yeah. Like I don't know what deck actually is actively looking for this though. Like Esper, I, I guess, is some colors you could play control in. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's necessarily the best colors for control, but like you're not going to splash a dam in nope. your blue-white deck. Like no. you, you need to be an Esper deck. So I don't know. Like I don't know if that, if this makes Esper like the de facto control deck or not. And if it doesn't, I don't really know where this goes. Yeah, like, there's like, really no other deck that would want this. There's not an Abzan, like, mid-range deck where, like, this yeah. could pull that double duty of, like, oh, 90% of the time it's sorcery speed, kill a creature. Yeah. But I'm playing against, I don't know, 8-whack. Yeah. And, oh, I'm at 3. Okay, I'm going to wrath, I'm going to wrath their board and hope, right. hope, hope I don't die in the next couple turns. Yeah. Right? So and, I can like do my mid-rangey stuff. Yeah, that's basically exactly what I wrote in the show notes. Is the really the only place other than, you know, if there ends up being some sort of Esper deck, but like I don't even know why you'd be Esper other than just for this card. The only other deck I could think of is some sort of mid-rangey like Abzan control list with yeah. just a bunch of removal and disruption and discard spells and then like some sort of sticky planeswalker to close the game out. Yeah. Like kind of like the cons abzan control mm-hmm. lists i'm not exactly sure where this thing's home is like esper gets like fatal push and thought as the control thing so you're just changing yeah. what your removal suite is by yeah. going esper so i don't know like we talked about before like all their lands make blue mm-hmm. so are is like black black a reasonable like turn two thing to expect when you also need blue blue for counterspell blue 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 for archmage's charm and right. blue, blue, blue for cryptic. So and like it, presumably white, white on turn four for overloading this. Yeah. So it might be a lot to ask for the mana from the Esper decks. Yeah. So next card, I have heard people uh, talk about being perhaps the best card in the set or the most impactful. I and, agree. And that is Druthy Voidwalker. Mm-hmm. It is black, black for a three, two with shadow. Shadow is flying, but it's only you can only block by things that have shadow or block things that have shadow. Right. So it's kind of kind of like flying, but like with a greater drawback. 
Right. Right. So, if a card will be put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, instead exile it with a void counter on it. So, basically, mm-hmm. this is Leyline of the Void on a 3-2 effectively unblockable body. Yeah, like, that's something that we need to mention is, I believe this is the only card in Modern with Shadow. There might... I don't, I don't think there was one from, like, Time Spiral. I think it yeah, is the only I, card with Shadow. I think this is it. So, it is... Unless you're playing a mirror match, this is unblockable. Yeah. So and that's fine. And there's Leyline of the Void on it. And it's Leyline of the Void. Right. But wait, there's more. How can there be more? So you can tap and sacrifice this, and you can take a card that has been exiled with a Void counter on it, mm-hmm. and you can just cast it without paying its mana cost. Right. And all this thing cares about is that there's a void counter on it. So if you play another one later, it can use like a previous one's cards. So like the dream people have talked about is like, oh, you play this and then you like thought sees your opponent and you hit their Emrakul and mm-hmm. you just get like a zero mana Emrakul. And, and you're casting like, it. <laughs> yes. It's like, yes, you did it. But even like just, I don't know. You're uh, like against like dredge. It's just like almost main deckable mm-hmm. in some decks. Like if there's a mono black aggro deck, which there always is, like you just play this card in your deck. It's oh, like, I want I want to play this thing in the grief deck. Fair, you can grief people out with it. Well, because yeah, I mean, not only does that work with with this all with like the grief's ability work with this, but also you want to play all those. Like a lot of people are talking about the grief decks using ephemerate. Yeah. But like the first place my brain went was like supernatural stamina and um is it McKindy Rebirth? Yeah. And there's another one from Innistrad, I think, that's like undying. But playing those effects, that way you're not like having to go into white, your mana's better. And all of those effects play with this also. So you're like, give this undying void uh Sack it, yeah, cast, a cast thing, your bring thing, it back. get it back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a really powerful, powerful card. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think people kind of have realized that it is, it is just Leyline of the Void that mm-hmm. attacks and blocks. Yes. Like, that is a big deal. Well, no, this thing doesn't ever block. Fair. It doesn't ever it, block. It just it attacks. attacks. Just yeah. attacks. Yeah. But like if you're playing like a black aggressive deck and you're like, I don't know, uh Knight of the Ebon Legion into this. <laughs> right? And then you're like I don't then like you're like grief you next turn, yeah. McKindy rebirth it, bring it back. You yeah. get two cards to pick from from for a Voidwalker. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Next up, uh Bloodbraid elf's little buddy well it's not yeah little buddy i guess can't be brother because it's not an elf it is not as a human berserker but apparently they just yeah. hang out i don't know what to say at, at blood braid out of that place <laughs> i don't, I don't know. know so it's a three one human mm-hmm. berserker can't block it's only here to jam for one in the red that's right has delirium We're here to party has delirium <gasps> This spell has cascade as long as there are four or more card types among cards in your graveyard. Yeah. So this is the cheapest cascade spell if you have it delirium. Is. Yeah. And that that's kind of like a weird 
deck building problem that you have to figure out how to solve. Like, obviously, what you're trying to do with this guy is cast, like, the free suspend spells. That's basically all he's good for. Mm -hmm. But he only does that if you have delirium. So you need cheap things that have a whole bunch of different card types to enable delirium. But then that makes his cascade not good. So things like Architects of Will are Mm -hmm. artifact creatures. Right. Now, I don't know how you get, like, the other types. Right. Right. But just thinking of like things that you could cycle in. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, like, I mean, l- land's easy. Land and like creature are the easy ones. Yeah. Artifact. Again, there are a few artifact creatures that have cycling. Right. But then it's that like planeswalker. Um, yeah. Enchantment. Instant sorcery. Right. Place is going to be more difficult. Yeah, because if you violent outburst into this, it doesn't have cascade. Right, like you need instant as your fourth type. Yeah, so you can't keep going. Yeah. All right. Next up, Brea's Apprentice. Yeah, this is a weird one. I don't know if it's actually going to see play or not, but it's a two and a red for a two three artifact human artificer. When it enters the battlefield, you make a thopter, and you can tap it and sacrifice an artifact to either exile a top card of your library until the end of your next turn, you can play that card or you can give a creature plus two plus O till end of turn. So this is like kind of a weird Pia. It is like Pia saw a bunch of play in standard. Yes. But I mean, modern is not standard. Correct. And this, I don't know that it's like strictly better than Pia. Like, I don't think it's worse than Pia. It's, like, different enough. The one place where it might have some sort of utility is in, like, a new affinity deck. Yeah. Or, I guess, a new modular deck. They've tried to seed that deck. Yeah. Yeah, like, I just worry that it's too... It's too slow for what it does. And we've had... I think so. We have a lot of... Not this exact card, Mm -hmm. but similar things like Pia and there's a lot of three mana things that make a Thopter. And yeah. like if the extra body mattered, those cards would see play. Right. And it's like, is the text better enough than just like the cards that are just the extra body to matter? And I don't think, yeah. but I could be wrong, but I don't think it's good enough to kind of matter. Yeah. I don't think so either. All right. People are hyped for this next card in legacy as well. This Ragavan. card seems really good. Nimble Pilferer, yep. red for a 2-1. Monkey Pirate. Monkey Pirate. Yes, yes, sir. Whenever Ragavan Nimble Pilferer deals combat damage to a player, create a treasure token and exile the top card of that player's library until uh, until end of turn, you may cast that card. And it has dash for one in the red. So dash is, you put it on the battlefield, it has haste for its dash card. You attack and then at the beginning of your end step, it returns to your hand. Yep. So you can just be like, ha And then it goes back. So right. it's a little bit less efficient. But like if your opponent's at two. Surprise. Monkey pirate wins. That's right. So just the fact that it's giving you extra mana. Yeah. Huge. Like even if you don't cast the, the card off the top of their deck. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that you're getting extra mana. Is yeah. A the big treasure's deal. not going anywhere. Yeah, it's a big deal. I think that being a legend is a problem, mm-hmm. but you know, 
in in a format like Legacy, you can brainstorm the extra copies away. Yeah, Maybe well, I mean, he's fragile enough that I don't know that oh, being yeah. legendary is super. You might just have problem. to play another one the next turn. Yeah. Yeah. The the treasure gives you the mana to cast the card you exile, because mm-hmm. it's not letting you cast it with mana of any color. Right. So weirdly, we talked about Prismari Command, and we were like, "Well, when are you ever gonna like use the treasure mode?" <laughs> like literally all the time. Yeah. Like the fact that blue red randomly now has ramp. Yeah. Is weird, and like this is just hey red, do you want a ramp? Do you want a one yeah. drop kind of mana creature? I, yeah. I do. That's also cool. like a value engine. Yeah, cool. Here's this monkey. Go nuts. Yeah. So it's like ramp. It's kind of card draw. Like think about, you know, it's different than uh, Robber of the Rich, but think about how much, how many times you get to cast a card off Robber of the Rich. Yeah. Right. It's not, it, you know, it can do a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this one is interesting and probably means less than Modern Horizons, but I think there's only like one or two like two mana or less mythics that aren't like busted like there was a point where it was like dragon caster or dragon master outcast and uh uh grim flare yeah but like not that uh voice of resurgence is busted but like right. strong playable renin six busted yeah right like there's a history of like the cheap mythics Mm-hmm. being good yeah and this is a no, i think this mythic. thing's really good yeah I, I don't know that it's a hundred dollars good no it is not so may, maybe wait a couple weeks it is not it you, is still before it you is, buy some <laughs> at its core it's still a two one yeah next up the jundiest boy to ever jund Whew. this is a ignoble hierarch it's noble hierarch for jund it's yes. a green mana for an oh one with exalted and you can tap it for a black, a red, or a green. So this is a way to speed Jund up a turn. Mm-hmm. It's also a way that in a deck like Infect, you just have eight Hierarch effects for additional Whew. pump. Yeah. Right? You're just like, oh, okay. like, And also I'll- have access to five colors of mana. <laughs> yeah. But like, even if you like don't want to be full-on like four colors or five colors yeah. you just have like repeatable pump spell on a body that also lets you cast your like vines of the vast wood right right this also could open up black green infect like that deck mm-hmm. was always kind of on the edge Fringy, and it was yeah. yeah and it was it was hurt by not having a noble hierarch type effect yeah. well this fixes that mm-hmm. so you know, it, so it, w- what do you think about like a turn one Ragavan into turn two ignoble hierarch swing for three make a treasure flip your opponent's goif play your opponent's goif uh scoop them up <laughs> like yeah. I think I think we're good I yeah think we're good also like turn two lilies are good kind of a big deal. Yeah. So yeah, like playing this in Jund is probably going to change the way Jund's built, especially since Jund isn't great anyway yeah. right now. Like it speeds it speeds Jund up a turn, which is something that it needs. Yeah, and if you're playing a mirror match, like having one of these guys makes it so your goifs always win combat. Yeah. So, which is also good. 
There's there's a lot of things to like about this guy. Yep. All right, next up. He's the ignoblest. He's the ignoblest boy. Yep. Okay. Tatiana, protector of Argoth. Mm-hmm. Three green green for a five three. Uh, legendary creature elemental. When Tatiana enters the battlefield, return target land card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Whenever a land you control is put in the graveyard for the battlefield, make a 5-3 elemental token. Oh, that's a big thing. That is a big thing. Yeah. Again, this is like trying to think about things in current modern versus old modern. Like four four years ago, you'd be like, can't play that. Yeah. Now, maybe. So, like this sees playing Legacy. In what? Like Nickvit? Yeah. Okay. Yep. It is just like a staple in Nickvit, pretty much. Okay. Um, just about every list plays it because it just takes a game over. Like instantly, it just takes a game over. Yeah. Um, I mean... Also, the um, like basically anything with Knight of the Reliquary. Okay. Because it, you just make an arm while you're growing your knight, you're making an army of elementals. Yeah. Right. Like, um, I guess like knight, go get a fetch land fetch yeah. it's yeah. just 15 like you just put 10 power on the board and like the game's probably over then i can yeah. see it okay also don't forget that get rog frog is a card it is and puts lands in your graveyard and From pays anywhere. you off for putting lands in your graveyard yeah and i know was it pleasant kenobi had like this weird like heart heartless frog deck that he was playing yes. with for a while mm-hmm. that's like heartless summoning and a bunch of like lands matters cards um this probably just kind of falls into that deck yeah not that i think that deck's great but it absolutely looks like fun and it is totally my speed yeah so yeah like being a 5-3 makes her a little soft in the modern if like bolt is still good yeah but no, I can see where like you just get to, you know, kind of go off in a turn or two and like take over. Okay. Yeah. But again, like this is like new modern thinking. Cause like right. like four years ago you'd just be like, This is unplayable garbage. Like, why yep. is this here? Yep. All right. Next up. Uh Territorial Kavu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. My my poor Termagoyfs. <laughs> Your poor Termagoyfs. <laughs> Uh, red green for a star star has domain power and toughness equal to the number of basic land types among lands you control uh, when it attacks choose one discard a card if you do draw a card or exile up to one target card from a graveyard um, <laughs> so uh, the dream is turn one fetch a triome turn two play off color shock play a shock yeah and cast this guy for and make it like a five five or a yeah. four four. So yeah. I guess I'm trying to figure out like what combina- combination of sh- I guess it would be like the the Mardu you could get the Mardu uh Triome and then play like a breeding pool. And it yeah, gives you I mean, all your all your types. Yeah, any triome and then like the off color. Well, I guess it would have to be either a green or a red. Yeah, so you can't play like the team or triome. Right. And then still be able to cast this. Right. And have it be a 5-5. Five, five. So that's yeah. why it's like you could play the, the Jeskai one and yep. then like Overgrow 2. Yep. 
or well, like you said the mardu one and then uh breeding pool yeah so you have to play like a non-green one which i guess yeah. only leaves you two yes because the other ones are green yeah oh no i guess you can play like indatha triome and then get like uh sacred foundry nope not sacred foundry steam vents yep that works yeah so i guess they can't have both red and green on them but whatever but yeah there's a lot of ways to just have this be a two mana five five and uh, extra, extra points if you can get a wastes on the battlefield oh yeah good good call <laughs> in my in my uh red green two drop deck let me just have a waste <laughs> got him right like this could like power or be part of like a zoo deck like yeah. you know a wild nakato kind of thing where you're like hey here's my one mana three three followed by my two mana at that point like four four which will mm -hmm. become a five five the next turn when it attacks yeah and like if you're doing domain things anyway like tribal flames is a reasonable spell yeah one of the red deal uh X damage to any damage. target. Yeah, where X yeah. is domain. Yep. Number of land types you control. Yep. Like, and this is just kind of a better tonic wave. Like, the ceiling is more set, and you do have to do work, but the fact that it has the attack trigger... Like if yeah, that matters. like that's what makes it a better goif. Like, realistically, your goif doesn't really ever get bigger than a 5-6 anyway. Yeah, and, and it's usually a 4-5. Yeah, and this can like randomly eat graveyards and draw you cards. It shrink the opposing goyf by like eating yeah. like the one artifact or the one planeswalker out of your opponent's graveyard. Right. So yeah, this card's interesting. This also strikes me as a card that's either a dollar or twenty dollars. Yeah, like, nowhere in between. Yeah, it's like either it's played a bunch and it's ten or twenty dollars. Yep. Or like it's fringy and it's like a buck. Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem like it's like a, oh, yeah, it's played a little bit. It's $6. It's like, no, 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 no. It's either, like, fringy or everywhere. So if this card turns out to be fringy, mm -hmm. you buy every copy you can for a dollar. Yeah, because eventually... Because somebody's going to win a tournament with this thing. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Next up, uh, we can't do a victory lap on calling this one because it, <laughs> it was spoiled beforehand. We can still do a victory lap because we called it last year or for yeah. Modern Horizons First one. one. Yeah, this is Shardless Agent. Yeah, one blue green for an, a human rogue, two two with Cascade. Yep, just a cheap, efficient Cascade spell. Yeah, it's another three mana Cascade spell that like is kind of in the vein of Blood Braid, where it is like a two for one. Like it's not like Violent Outburst that may or may not do anything. Right. I think that. In, like, if you're playing Living End, there's an argument for, like, playing this over um, Demonic Dread. Mm -hmm. Right, because you don't need a target. Right. And, like, it it also shares the color with Violent Outburst. Mm -hmm. You could also play this with, like, Ardent Also, Fleet. like, the the recent Living End decks, I wanted to be blue anyway for, like, Curator of Mysteries and Strip River Winder and stuff. Yeah, and, like, if you wanted to play, like, As Foretold. Mm-hmm. Which that card got stupid expensive. Yeah, holy moly. Um, so did this card. Yeah. So next up is Vindicate. Yeah. This goes in the Mythical Abzan deck we were talking about. Or Esper. Yeah. One white, black, sorcery, destroy target, permanent. 
It is a like it is kind of interesting that both this and Assassin's Trophy can tag lands. Yeah. For where, whatever that's worth. And it doesn't get you the land like the land doesn't come back unlike Assassin's Trophy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This just gets just get something dead. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's the kind of card that like they do not design like this anymore. Right. And of like all the cards to put in, it seems mm-hmm. weird they couldn't have just like made a new version of it. Yep. And just vindicate two. Destroy target non land permanent. Done. <laughs> so well they did. It's um Anguish I'm making. But you lose three well, life. Yeah. The mythos also. Oh, the black mythos. Yeah. Yeah. The Absan mythos. Yes. Do you have any vindicates? I don't know. I might, but I'm not sure. You might want to look because the apocalypse ones are uh-huh. like forty dollars right now. What? And they were $2 when I bought mine, I think. Yeah, okay. Okay, I'll look. Yeah, so you might want to check on that. That's crazy. Yep. Next up, uh, Super Batter Skull? Yes, this is Cauldra Complete. And what I believe this is, is the set of armor that somebody had asked about to be in historic anthologies. Yeah. As a living weapon. Yeah, it's it's the the cauldra set. Yeah. Uh, so seven mana for a legendary artifact with living weapon. Yep. It itself has indestructible. Mm-hmm. The equipped creature gets plus five plus five has first strike trample indestructible haste, and whenever this creature deals combat damage to a creature, exile that creature. Holy moly. So this is like hands down the new best thing to get with Stoneforge, right? Maybe. So the the arguments have been, right, like seven mana is a lot more than five if your Stoneforge dies. So like if you get it and you get stuck with it in your hand, it's worse than Batter Skull. Like you have a chance to get the five. Yeah, I mean, if you're hard casting a Batter Skull, you're probably not winning anyway. Oh, yeah, it's probably bad times anyway. Yeah. I I like I like people. To, uh, I heard it described as batter skull as a defensive equipment to oh. get. Yeah. Right, because it's going to gain you life. It never becomes tapped. Right. This is like the offensive close the game. I heard someone describe it as it's reality smasher. Basically. Right. So, you know, if you're in a situation like that, you need a reality smasher. Mm-hmm. You get this. Yeah. If you're in a situation where you need something more defensive you get uh batter skull. Yeah. Where like you could see like, I don't know, playing get some like uh you know, like tribal deck and it's early in the game and you're like turn two, like, well I could get a batter skull. Or I could just get cauldron complete and try to end this game. Yeah. Before it matters. Cause like it does come down a full turn sooner. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you're attacking with it on turn three. Right. They're different, but I do think that in the Stoneforge decks, there's probably one of these. Mm-hmm. Like just oh, absolutely. As, just as yeah. a thing to get. It might yeah, not I mean, be... you're toolboxy anyway. There's no reason to not run one. Yeah, it might not replace Batter Skull, but it's going to be in there as a thing that, like, when you look at it, you're like, oh, my opponent's at five. I guess I should get this. Yeah. Um. You also can do some of the same tricks as with Batter Skull. Like Flicker Wisp resets this. Mm-hmm. So if they like path your uh, 
your token. Yeah. You can reset it, you know, if you're not going to have seven mana to equip it to something. Better Skull resets itself, though, right? Better Skull, you can pay five and pick it up. Yeah. And then recast it. Yeah. So this has less ways to, like, you know, reset itself. But it's indestructible. But it's indestructible. Right. So, like, you can just block. You don't have to worry about your opponent, like, Assassin's Trophying your culture complete. Right. Where, like, Batter Skull, sometimes you want to leave up five mana. So if they try mm-hmm. to interact with the batter skull, you can just pick it up and then put the put it back down. Right. So. All right. Next one. We've talked about this before. Green's ever growing color pie. <laughs> no, I Yav- mean, technically, it's not a green card. Technically. Yavamaya <laughs> Maya Cradle of Growth. It's got green across the top. Legendary land. Each land is a forest in addition to its other land types. Yep. It's. Urborg for forests. Yeah. I always thought like this card should be like blue. Like should Oh be, really? Like, I thought it should have been green to start with. So like Urborg makes sense because hey, we buried Urborg here and his body yeah. is so contaminated it turned everything black. Right. I thought of like if you think about uh uh oh gosh, Fallen Empires. There we go. Mm-hmm. Right, you have high tide. Yeah. Right? Like Everything oh, yeah. becomes you like make your islands more islandy, or right. you have spreading seas, or is it yeah. whatever seas claim or whatever the seas the, claim, yeah, yeah, the blue one that starts making an island. You had a bunch of cards that don't get rid of land that just make them islands, mm-hmm. and like in my head, I was like, oh, you could think of this as like a rising flood, mm-hmm. right? That just puts all your lands yeah. underwater, so they're all islands or they're all isolated, yeah, and like. I guess you can see like the flavor reason behind this. Oh, all the all the happy forests grew everywhere. And so now it's everything's a forest. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I think this card is like we said, like is good in, you know, decks with Curian Ranger. Yeah. I, I watched a Magic Aids video today where he was using it with the elf lord that gives all your elves forest walk. Mm-hmm. So can't block. <laughs> I think he cut Azuris for it. So instead of having to wait till you draw your Azuri and have a bunch of mana, you just like play this. You know, you play the elf, the a forest walk uh, mm-hmm. elf, and then you elf just get champion. the like, elf champion. And you just get the bash. Yeah. You're never like waiting to like have a bunch of mana to dump into your Azuri. Don't know hmm. if it was right, but that was yeah, the thought process. Right. Also, I guess like, you could play closer to like warrior elves, though, where you yeah. just play like some bigger elves. Um, also, like, this maybe frees up playing Mistress Factory or more than mm-hmm. likely Mutavault in Elves. Yeah. Where, like, you know, kind of like you do in Pox or, like, 8-Rack where you're a mono black deck and you play Urborg to take your utility off-color lands and make them make black. You do the same thing here in, like, a base green deck. Yeah, you can do that. Also, like one or two of these might make the mana in Dark Depths and Legacy a little more functional. Mm-hmm. Right? You're just like, oh, build my own bayous. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I'm not stuck with a bunch of glands that make colorless mana. Right. So it's an interesting card. I think that like almost, I think a lot of colors could like lay claim to this effect. Mm-hmm. So, but it just seemed, it just, 
it's cool, but it also seems weird that we just are like, yep, it's green. Yeah. Sorry, green. <laughs> That's right. I, I, don't know, I think it kind of fits in green. Yeah, but. I can see it as well. It's like, oh, everything's spreading. It makes sense. All yeah. right. Now time for perhaps busted to like thoroughly playable. <laughs> um, so we have the uh, another suspend free spell cycle. Mm-hmm. That these are like the other cards. They are riffs on uh, famous older cards. Right. So we have Resurgent Belief. It's white, has no casting cost. Is suspend for two for one in the white. So suspend, you put it in exile with suspend counters on it. In each turn, you take off a suspend counter. And when you get to zero, you cast the spell. Yep, for free. For free. Return all enchantment cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. Yep. So this um, is replenish. Yes. Uh, replenish like 20 years ago was busted. Mm-hmm. The first thing I thought of was a living end deck, but for enchantments. So there was yep. a deck in legacy for a while that was playing lay claim, which is five blue, blue enchant a permanent. You gain control of it and it has cycling too. So you get to put it in your bin, put it in your bin. And then, uh, you know, you could suspend this because two is not a long time. Right. Or you just cascade into it. Yep. And then, you know, you get back a cast out and you get rid of one of their permanents and you get rid of, and then you get a lay claim and you take one of their lands. Mm -hmm. And it's not a huge uh, swing, but it's big enough. Yeah. I'm going to stone rain you and kill a thing. (laughs) Yep. And I'll have a 2-2 from my uh, uh, Shardless Agent. Yes. The the I think the thing limiting it is there's like really only 12 good things to cycle. Mm-hmm. So cast out, lay claim, and uh, Shark Typhoon. Yep. There's not like a huge... The Shark Typhoon's a good one, though. Except yeah. when you cast this, you get a 0-0. Zero, zero. Yeah. But like... That's awkward. You know, later on, like if you get to a bunch of mana and you're like lay claim, yeah, here's my seven seven, or like you know, I don't know, violent outburst or whatever, mm-hmm. get a three three plus do this again, yeah. So this one might be playable. It seems like it has the right mix of like there's probably a deck that could yeah. do it. Yeah, I think there's only two of these that you're actually going to suspend. Yeah. The others are probably going to be cascade targets or free spell, uh, more than likely, yeah. like casting As, it for free, not necessarily electro dominance, yeah. Stuff, yep. So, we have um, a, what's up next? The next one is inevitable betrayal, which is a blue card with no casting cost, suspend three for one blue, blue, and when it comes off suspend and you cast it, you get to search target opponent's library for a creature card put that card onto the battlefield under your control and then they shuffle this is bribery yep if you go look up the art of bribery and then you it's look the at little the little Jin guy right there yeah it's the little Jin guy in the middle of the art yep I kind of think this card is almost unplayable if there is a shardless agent deck um, this might see play in the sideboard out of yeah, it. Yeah, like if you're playing against like an Eldrazi deck. Through the Breach or whatever. Through the breach, yeah. yeah, but like this is not a main deckable card because there's no, just too many times so. where you're like, I don't know, 
you get I don't know an, an Elvish Arch Druid, right? Or you That's get the like, best thing to get a Snapcaster, right? And you're like, whoops, I guess I got a Snapcaster. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Next up, Profane Tutor. Suspend two, one in the black. Uh, search your library for a card. Uh, put that card into your hand and shuffle. It's Demonic mm-hmm. Tutor. It is just Demonic Tutor. This one might actually get cast as well. Uh, it's suspended? Yeah. Yeah. I guess I don't know. This is another one where it doesn't really have a home. Right. So, like, I don't know what we're going to be doing with it. But it's a powerful effect, and I guess it's just trying to figure out what to do what with it. What the home is. Yeah. yeah. Next up is a Glimpse of Tomorrow. It's the red one. Suspend mm-hmm. three for red, red. Uh, it's like Chaos Warp or Chaos World. Uh, warp, warp World. Warp World. There we go. Something. Yeah. So you sack all your permanents or shuffle all your permanents into your library. Then you reveal that many cards from the top of your library. And you put all those permanents onto the battlefield. Yep. And then you put the rest of the cards. Uh, and then you put the cards that you don't put on the battlefield on the bottom of your library in a random order. Yep. So there's a, like from two or three weeks ago, there's an against the odds deck that was, uh, uh, what is it? Whatever you said it was, Warp World and another Warp card. World. Warp World and there's another card with a similar effect. Uh, Chaos Warp does it. It's just one target. One though. target. No, there's another one that does like all your stuff or like everyone's oh, okay. stuff. There's one that does all your stuff. One that does everyone's stuff. No, Warp World might be everyone's stuff. Yeah. And then you, um, but you just like play tireless trackers and. Um, oh, and get a bunch of clues. Get a bunch of clues or you play yeah. like uh, Colony Gardens. Yeah. So like this could be, you know, in a deck like that where you're just like. You know, you get to like six or seven permanents pretty early on, and then you like spin the wheel. It also plays prime times, so you get a Ooh. bunch of lands. And nice. the idea is that you don't win with the first one you cast; you win on the second one. Yeah, where you just have so many more permanents. Yeah, but I mean, it strikes me as more of like a fun card as opposed mm-hmm. to like a, a strong card. Oh, it's definitely a fun card. Next up, yeah, the, the last this one's a doozy. Uh, Gehas will. Is a green card. Suspend four for a green mana. Until end of turn, you may play lands and cast spells from your graveyard. If a card would be put in your graveyard from anywhere this turn, exile that card instead. Where have I heard this text before? Uh, it's because it's banned in every format. Yes, Yagmas uh, will. I think yeah. it's res- it's restricted in vintage. Vintage, yeah. <laughs> you get to play one. That's right. Um. Yeah, the card's silly. This might be at the right place that it doesn't break. Mm-hmm. But I feel like people are going to spend a lot of time trying to break it. Oh, yeah. So I don't know what to tell you. It just it's it could be ridiculous or it could do nothing. I think it's mm-hmm. more on the lines of doing nothing right now. Yeah. But this is another one that like if they're 50 cents buy a stack. Oh, 100%. If these things ever get down to 50 cents, I'll buy everyone I can find. Yeah, because like... Because this card, card will break at some point. It has to. Yeah. Like, the other version of the card broke. Yes. And... Every like, format. Every format. It is, like, yeah. just not okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, even uh, Underworld Breach... Broke. Right. That's nowhere near as good. <laughs> yeah, it, like, it was the... They tried to fix... 
So Underworld Breach was, let's try to fix Yagmas will. Yeah. Oops, can't fix it. It broke every format. Yeah. This is, let's try to fix Yagmas will. Did we do it this time? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Okay, so the next group of cards we have are the elemental incarnations. So it's yep, a cycle. The, the mythic evoke creatures. Yes. So it's a cycle of uh, mythic rares that um, have evoke, but their evoke is exile a card of their color. Mm-hmm. So they come into play, they have some ETB effect, and then uh, they sacrifice themselves. Yep, they all have a keyword also. Yes, they all have a keyword, and all but one of the, uh, all but two of them have flash. Yes. All right, so we have solitude, which is the white one. Mm-hmm. It is three white white for a flash life linker. It's a three two. When it enters the battlefield, exile up to one other target creature. That creature's controller gains life equal to its power, and evoke is exile a white card from your hand. So it swords the plowshare on a three two. Yep. Supposedly, this is the best one out of the cycle. I don't know if I 100% agree with best one out of the cycle, but it is very good. I think it's the one that probably is the easiest to slot in someplace. Like, I heard people talking just about... Just like, at face value, you mean? Yeah. So, like, yeah. In, in Legacy, Death and Taxes play mm-hmm. some number of Path to Exile sometimes. Yeah. But no, you play Solitudes now. Right. It also eats an Emrakul. It does. It's not a spell. It's a triggered ability. Yeah. I also think that like some number of control decks, right? Like you can tap out for your Jace. Right. And know that you can't die to like a haste threat. Yeah. Because you can just be like, well, I'll pitch it to fairy. Yeah. Pitch it to fairy. We're good. Then we have subtlety, which is the blue one. Subtlety is a two blue blue for a three, three flash flyer. When it enters a battlefield, choose up to one target creature spell or planeswalker spell its owner puts it on the top or bottom of their library and you evoke it exile a blue card from your hand it's some part of like aether gust or memory lapse yeah but only for creatures and planeswalkers so right they tried to make it so magic was not just totally miserable Mm -hmm. i think this card is fine i think it's better than people are giving it credit for yeah again i think it's one of those things that like you know, if the metagame is super creature heavy and you're playing like a Narset to fairy Jace kind of control deck mm-hmm. right, where you don't mind going down a card right? to like not die or buy yourself a turn. Well, like, I think this is one of the ones that could just get hard cast too. Yeah, because it's only four mana. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have Ooh. Grief, the one that was spoiled first. And I think this is the best one. Two black black for a three two with menace. Mm-hmm. When it enters the battlefield, thought sees your opponent. Basically, but you uh, don't you, lose two life. You don't lose two life. Um, yep. Evoke exile a black card. So yep. this is where people have talked about some of the like tricks with stacking the triggers. Yeah, you stack the triggers so you get to look at their hand first, and then you can flicker this with people are talking about using ephemerate. Yeah, or just anything. So you flicker it, or you make it so when it dies, it comes back to the great uh, back to the battlefield, and you get to do a second uh, thought seize effect, and then you get to keep it, and you get to keep it. Yep. And if you have a February, you get to start your next turn by thought seizing them again for no mana. 
So, <laughs> like, I don't know how magical Christmas land that is, but it. I, I watched a uh, a Magic Aids video about this mm-hmm. and did it pretty consistently, and like used cards like Tide Hollow Scholar and things like that too. Like it'll be black and white cards. I think there were some solitudes in the deck, yeah, as well. So like you can you can like pull it off. And I, I think, think that like that's kind of the key is that you have to have something else to use your like whatever you're flickering with on. Yeah, and like they have to be worthwhile as well. I don't know that Tide Hollow Sculler is probably not. Yeah, like but there aren't any other like good end of the bat. Like you're not gonna play like burglar rats. Well, like that's kind of why I thought maybe you weren't ephemerating it and you were in some other color instead. Yeah. And you played this with the uh, the shadow guy because yeah. all of the same like black spells that you would use to flicker grief work with him mm. as like another form of card advantage. Yeah. Next up, we have Fury, yep. which is the red one. It's three red red for a three three with double strike it notably doesn't have flash no flash grief did not have flash either. grief didn't have flash either like i can see why grief doesn't have flash yeah fury feels like it should have flash probably when it enters the battlefield it deals four damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures and or planeswalkers so it doesn't have the same like oh crap i'm going to get i'm gonna die now like you know your opponent goes like i don't know goblin guide goblin guide and you're like oh man i'm just gonna take like you've just gotta like not do anything that turn yeah and just take your medicine where you know solitude you get to like kill one of those things like it doesn't have like the the bailout button mm-hmm. and like four damage is fine it's fine but like there's like there's a lot of times that a tarmogoyf just is like yo i'm a four or five Zombie fish. Death Zombie. Shadow. Death Shadow. Our our new best friend, the Kavu. Yeah. It's like I'm a five five, and it's just like, oh cool. This doesn't Or the do dragon. Anything. Yeah, it's like it doesn't do anything. Yeah. Um and then lastly. Yeah, we have uh endurance. The bane of Brian's existence going forward, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh one green green for a three four flash reach. Uh, notably, I think this one is also perfectly castable. When it enters the battlefield, up to one target player puts all the cards from their graveyard on the bottom of their library in a random order. So, um, first of all, in the most wizardist thing ever, this eats a solitude and a subtlety, like just in combat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, it trades with a fury. It does. It can't block a grief because it has menace, but it would trade with it if it could. Yes. It also is one less mana than mm-hmm. every other one. Right. And I guess you can argue that the shuffle your grave shuffle a graveyard in is more situational. It's way more situational. But when it's good, it's really good. When it's good, it just wins the game. And you can main deck it like this is a card that you're probably not super embarrassed just to play. Yeah. And incidentally hates graveyards as well. I mean, you can hit it off of a, uh, company, collected company, which you can't do with any of the other ones. Right. I mean, this could in 
in a pinch, right? This could just end up like in in a green enough deck taking the surgical slot. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you're playing let's say you're playing elves and you're playing against like black red reanimator or some yeah. like red like a lot of times they get like one go and right. you surgical them and you like you're like, Yay, I win. Well, endurance like does the same thing, mm-hmm. but sometimes you just cast it. And it's a three. It's also like these things are also creatures. Like all of them are creatures. So you can't negate them. Like they play like a spell when you evoke them, but because they're a creature, they can't be negated and they can't be duressed. And they count as casting a creature for things like Vengevine. Yeah, people are super hyped for these with like Vengevine decks. Yeah. Where like, you know, if you, you know, get a card in your graveyard, if you get a Vengevine in your graveyard, then like you can just like, oh, I'll grief and then play another, then play a two drop. Yeah. Cool. Now I have a, like, now I get my Vengevine back. Or you're like, you know, you play like a Stitcher Supplier and then you play a one drop. You play another Stitcher Supplier and a grief. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yep, now I get my any Vengevines I put in the graveyard come back. Right. So these do a lot in the fact mm-hmm. that they're free and they're in their abilities. Yeah. So this happened last Modern Horizons when like they kind of broke one of the fundamental rules of modern, which had been, I guess, really other than surgical. If your opponent is tapped out, you're cleared for takeoff. Do what you want. Yeah. Right. And now there's force of negation. So it's like, well, I might not be cleared for takeoff. Right. Right. Now it's like, oh, I like played my creature Oh, they get, they just solituded it. Like, you know, you you get a Villamachus lore hold. And you're like, mm-hmm. yep, I'm about to take all the combat steps or take all the turns. And they're just like, nope. Nope, I'll kill it. Or, yeah. like, you cast a Villamachus lore hold somehow. And they're just like, oh, I'll subtlety it. Yeah. And it's just like, oh. Like, that, that, cha- that fundamentally changes part of modern. Right. Right, by adding more and more free spells. Mm-hmm. And it just feels it feels off from what modern had been for 15 years. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like I think we were talking about it a little bit in the pre-show. It's kind of like modern has a rotation now. Yeah, modern has where a rotation. the only thing you can do is play like these supplemental sets. You play modern horizons and war of the spark forward. Yeah. And you get fetch lands. So there you go. The, that, that's the old cards now. Yeah. Fetch shocks. And then supplemental products. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next slide. So, Enchantress. On one hand, sweet, we called it. We got Enchantress parts. On the other hand, I specifically said no, no prison, prison parts. <laughs> and of all the Enchantress payoffs, which right. I didn't even know they played Solitary Confinement. Like, I don't know if they played Solitary Confinement years ago. I've never played against a Solitary Confinement. Well, get ready to. Yes. So, Solitary Confinement, two and a white enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice Solitary Confinement unless you discard a card. Skip your draw step. You have Shroud. Prevent all damage that would be dealt to you. Hmm. But if you have a pile of enchantresses, you just need, like, one enchantment. And more than likely, you're going to draw two or three or four cards. Right. And you're going to find the next one. 
mm-hmm. you're just going to keep this out for a while. Yeah, you're going to chain it until you can find yeah. a way to win. Yeah. Someone also, I think it was Jerry T brought up, you know what else this works well with? What's up? Life from the Loam in Cycling Lands. Oh, yeah. You're just like, Absolutely. Oh, one mana Cycling Land, cool. Get my Loam back, get yep. three lands. Now I'm just feeding lands to my yep. solitary confinement. Now, yep. I don't know how you turn that into winning the game. Right. But it is a thing that could be done or has been done in the past. Right. We have Sanctum Weaver, mm-hmm. one in the green for an enchantment creature, Dryad. Yep. It's an O2. Add X mana of any one color where X is the number of enchantments you control. So it's Sarah's Sanctum on an enchantment? That makes any color of mana. Right. Now, does Korean Ranger untap a creature or untap an elf? It untaps a creature. Okay. Yep. So it works with us. And I think we talked about on the pre-show last week, what is it like unbind the real or what is that? Freed from the real? Freed from the real. Yeah. This goes infinite with freed from the real because you can pay a, you can enchant it and then pay a blue to untap it. So yep. every time you tap it, you're up one mana for just like this into freed from the real. Infinite and then mana. You, yeah. And then you just need a way to spend that mana. Walking Ballista, Emrakul, Court yep, of Calling. Whatever. Name a thing. Helix Pinnacle. Yes. I even know what that does. You need 100 counters on it. It's an enchantment. It? And you need yeah. 100 counters on it. Yep. And you win the game. It's an enchantment. It is. Triggers yep. Enchantress's presence. Boom. I'm a professional. <laughs> two and a Has white. Has shroud. You had two and a white enchantment. Whenever you cast an enchantment spell, draw a card. Yep. Uh, hard to interact with because it's an enchantment. Yep. And does the thing that you need to do. Yep, and we have uh, Sithis's Harvest's Hand, uh, yes. green and a white for a 1-2 legendary enchantment creature. Nymph, whenever you cast an enchantment spell, you gain a life and draw a card. This one is a little bit different than some of the other enchantresses because it triggers on cast instead of ETB. Yeah, so she doesn't draw a card for herself. Right, yep. But being legendary is a downside, but having the enchantment being an enchantment creature, if you have one mm-hmm. on the battlefield, you get to cast another one. Right. Like when you cast yep. when you cast the other one, you draw a card. Yeah, so you get to cycle it basically. Yeah. And, and then, then uh they also reprinted Sterling Grove. So green white for enchantment. Other enchantments you control have shroud, and you can pay one and sacrifice it to tutor for an enchantment, put it on the top of your library. Yeah. Yay. So it goes to get your solitary confinement. It goes to get your solitary confinement. Like you could also, I don't know, use this to, um, right? You could assemble, not that this solitary confinement is better, but like Solemnity and um, mm-hmm. Nine Lives. Yep. You could get your pinnacle thing. Yep. You just play one and then you're just like, well, tap my Sanctum Weaver, put 20 counters on this thing, go. <laughs> Next turn, yeah, do it again. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure you need 100 counters on it. That's what I think so as well. Yeah, it's like, is it like a green or something? I think it's it... like X green green, and then you pay some amount of mana to put more a counters counter on, on it yeah. or something. Yeah. So it, uh, I think it's just X actually. Yeah, but so the decks here, the question is, is it good? Is it good enough? Right? Can you assemble all these pieces? And you probably can. Yeah. But 
it's hard. It might be to too say. dirtily though. Yeah, it's hard to say because there's so much power that they put in this set. Yeah. And this can be powerful, but it does require a lot of like moving parts. Yeah, it doesn't really do a whole lot early either. Yeah. It just kind of dirtles around for the first couple turns. Right, like if you play your like harvest hand and then it gets killed. Yeah. And then you play like an enchantress's presence. Like, did you make it to turn four? Probably not. Right. Like against Blitz, you didn't. And then right. there's also like, okay, fine. You, you played Enchantress's Presence. Oh, you cast uh, you cast some spell and like, okay, Cryptic Counterpounce. Yeah. All right. Now I've just time walked you. You drew a card. Big deal. Yeah. Now I can like play my Teferi and now the game's about my Teferi drawing a bunch of cards and then you never resolving anything. Right. So... I don't know, it seems like it has some some problems, but I think that there will be definitely games where you just like get solitary confinement locked and you're just like, oh my God, mm-hmm. there's nothing I can do. So, but like you could also, you know, like solitary confinement, it kind of has the running register problem where if you do have a way to answer it, you're just like, sure, on your upkeep, uh, discard your card, go to your draw step before yeah. you leave your draw step, abrupt decay it. Yeah. Now, like, you've taken two cards from them and you've gotten rid of their solitary. Well, this says skip your draw step. Oh, so I guess main phase. Okay. Yeah. Main phase. So it's not, it's not, don't draw a card. It's just, skip your draw step. Yeah. So, like, end of your turn, kill your solitary. You make sure you get your two cards. Right. Right. I mean, solitary also has a a, uh, vanishing verse problem. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know could be good but i it could just be too dirtily i think it's just too dirtily you know the problem is is like there's not like a hey i'm gonna play like fun modern yeah right like modern is like pretty like i'm trying to win focused yeah right and not that like i'm playing solitary confinement equals i'm playing fun modern (laughs) yeah pretty much the opposite yeah so what's going on well i have a uh one of us is having fun and it's not you (laughs) i have a sterling grove a greater oromancy a solitary confinement and two enchantress effects i'm not going anywhere for a while yeah i'm not going to win this game per se but i'm not going (laughs) to lose it either right so let's go yep i'm going to flash in a uh uh, an endurance and shuffle my graveyard back under my deck <laughs> and then I have a 3-4 to attack you with okie doke yep, eventually it'll get there yeah so I guess the last archetype is mm-hmm. reanimator yep this is something that they're I guess trying out with modern horizons too yeah um, they gave us um, powered down pieces for reanimator when compared to like legacy reanimator and they gave us a couple payoffs. So obviously the thing that they're trying to do in modern as opposed to legacy is make it so that we can't reanimate legendary creatures. So they gave us unmarked grave, which is a uh, entomb, but for non-legendary permanents. And they gave us persist, which is reanimate, but for non-legendary permanents. Um, so they gave us two payoffs that are non-legendary in white. We have Sarah's emissary for white, white, white for a seven, seven flyer. And when it enters the battlefield, you choose a card type, you and creatures you control have protection from that 
card type. So it's a, a decent, you know, reanimator target that's not legendary that you can get with your unmarked grave and persist. Yeah. And then we also have Archon of Cruelty, six black black for a six six flying. Whenever Archon of Cruelty enters the battlefield or attacks, target opponent sacrifices a creature, planeswalker, discards a card, and loses three life. You draw a card and gain three life. Which is kind of nutty. Yeah, that's a huge swing. Yeah. That it, like immediately pays you back for jumping through the hoops. Yeah. Serious. So, like, you know, we talked about things that weren't uh, legendary, like uh, the, oh gosh, what is it called? The thing that makes it so you can't be attacked. Blazing Archon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Serious Emissary, like, if you're playing against elves, mm-hmm. if you just say creature, right. they can never win. Right. Like, they just they can't ever kill this. They can't ever, nothing. They're just done. Yeah, that's true. Well, I think, like, some of the elves lists play um, Assassin's Trophy out of the sideboard. Yeah, but, like, game one, like, they're right. done. Yeah. Right, like, Sarah's Emissary strikes me as, like, you have one of these. Mm-hmm. Like, I yeah, feel it's a like, target. It's a silver bullet. Yeah, I feel like this reanimator deck, because you don't have really good re, uh, uh, discard outlets... Mm-hmm. Like no faithless lootings, things like that. Like I feel like you're more on like one Sarah's emissary, one what's he called? Uh oh gosh, the seven eleven, uh, Inkwell Leviathan. Yeah. One uh oh gosh, and I gotta remember all these cards. The Sundering Titan. Sundering Titan, the the five five flyer that's like three white, white, black, black that exiles the thing when it comes into play or leaves. Oh yeah. Um I can't think of what it's called. Oh, I can't think of its name now. The one yeah. from Theros. Mm-hmm. Yep. But you play like a bunch of these one ofs as opposed to like playing four Grizzle Brands. Right. Right. You know, you're trying to get the, the good one of in your graveyard. Now, I could yeah, be wrong. Like if you're toolboxy, though, that makes Unmarked Grave just kind of awkward as like your only way to fill your graveyard. Yeah, though, like, you, you might be in a situation where, like, I'm trying to think, like, are you blue for, like, charter course? And, like, yeah, things, maybe. Like, but there aren't, like, charter course and, like, what, I don't know, like, the discovery dispersal. Yeah. Right? Like, I'll surveil two things in my graveyard. Or, you know, are you yeah. citrus suppliering? Yeah. Uh, well, like if you're toolboxy though, you can't really rely on bulk like you can for like traditional reanimator yeah. decks. So, like, are you like four bullets and then four archons? Yeah, maybe. Because I think archon of cruelty is a thing you're supposed to reanimate. Yeah, it definitely pays you off the hardest or yeah. the quickest. Yeah. So, things it's your talk- gristle brand because it like immediately fills you back up. Yeah. We also talked about. Like the reanimation cards that are in there, like uh, Footsteps of the Gorio, mm-hmm. that reanimate something, then you sacrifice it. So that's where if you have oh, oh, green guy, oh gosh, uh, Protean Hulk. No, comes into play, blows up a non-creature permanent, and then you sacrifice Woodfall Primus. Oh yeah, right. You have Woodfall Primus or the or the five five flyer that exiles a thing. You're like, mm-hmm. well. I got this, but I'm, and I'm just going to like double stone rain you on my turn three. Yeah. And I'll try to redo this with uh, now that you don't have a board. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, like Woodfall Primus 
since it has persist, you're like, blow up your land, sack it, it comes back, blow up your land. I have a six six trampler, and you're down two lands. Yeah. Right. So there are there are things you can do. Now, the Woodfall Primus trick doesn't work with persist because it gives it a neg one neg one counter. Yeah. Which sad times for Woodfall Primus. <laughs> he doesn't get to come back. You don't have as many good ways to fill your graveyard. Like this is another time that like I know, like Faithless looting wasn't that bad. <laughs> like what are, what are we like no you can't have faithless looting but again this like the 3-3 three, three, uh what is it Rakdos uh headliner oh yeah yeah right. the guy from earlier yeah that lets you put a card in yeah. your graveyard maybe you put your reanimation target in collective brutality mm-hmm. kill your thing discard you right cool now I like I have a, I have a reanimation target in my graveyard yeah right. and then we have priest of the fell something Priest of Felrites. Okay. Is a white black for a 2 2 warlock. Uh, tap it, pay three life, and sacrifice it to return target creature from your graveyard to the battlefield. Uh, activate only as a sorcery, and it has unearth for three white black, which means if it's in your graveyard, you can pay three white black, uh, put it on the battlefield, it gains haste, and exile it at the end of the next end step or at the beginning of the next end step. Yeah. Or if it would leave the battlefield. Yeah. So part of me wonders if, like, I guess this can, like, do the thing on turn three. Mm-hmm. But, like, is it better than, like, Unburial Rites? It might be. Maybe. I don't know. Like, I have a hard time, like, the, like, you know, small creature that does a thing hardly ever gets to live to do the thing. Mm-hmm. Unless you're, like, Magus of the Moon. Then they just can't cast any spells. <laughs> but for the most part, all those cards, like, because, like, I don't know, this is, like, Magus of Reanimate. Yeah, basically. Right? Like, in traditionally, those cards don't work out because, well, they don't last, they don't stay around long enough. Right. Because so like, creatures I, are fragile. Yeah. So, like, it's hard to be, like, well, I'm going to play my Magus of the Fell thing, and then I'm going to cast my Unmarked Grave, mm-hmm. and, oh, no, they balded my Magus. Oh, no. Now I don't have a reanimation effect. Yeah. Now I'm I'm kind of like stuck. My big thing with the reanimation archetype is I feel like there are so many cards in this set that are just random incidental graveyard hate. Yeah. And it's like, why? Why did you like simultaneously make a reanimator archetype and then also put Leyline of the Void on a 3-2? That's unblockable and would see play anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you put, like, why is Endurance shuffling? Like, you're like, okay, cool. Shields are down. Yeah. Unmarked Grave. They tapped out. Cool. Persist. <laughs> uh, endurance. Well, this was a fun game. Uh, yeah. Both sides tried hard. Um, <laughs> cool. Have a flash thrashing Brontodon that exile or that shuffles your graveyard in instead of blows an artifact up. Yeah, and it's just like why why did you make these like playable cards to like destroy the reanimator archetype? Like yeah. it couldn't have been that good in testing. Right. You're like, damn, we gotta ooh, yeah. gotta take care of this guy. Yeah. So I don't know. And like graveyard hate in modern was already pretty good, so Yeah, so it just seemed like why are you doing this? So I think that's all of the cards we thought were interesting, right? That's everything I had to go over. 
we are at two hours and 20 minutes, so Oof. we better be done. Yeah, I think we're done. All right. So with that, I think we have a very long podcast. We have a very long show. So if you would like to tweet at us something that we missed or something you're excited about, you can get us at Casual Tripod on Twitter. Yeah, I don't think we missed too much. But if we did, you can hit us up on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG. You can email us, show at casualtryhardmtg.com. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, I would recommend probably not pre-ordering singles from this set because they're absurdly expensive. Yeah. But if you really want to, TCG player affiliate link, uh, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. Hit us up on Patreon if you want to support the show a little bit. Uh, Patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. Don't forget about our YouTube channel. There should be some box opening videos coming up this week, next week on there for Modern Horizons 2. And check out our Discord. There's a link in the description. There's a link on social media. Come join the fun. And with that, we'll catch you at Modern Horizons 2 pre-release. Yeah, we'll catch you at pre-release. 